recognizing how the first week went and then learning the lessons. You know, big, big philosophy is that you are either winning or learning. You, know, you got to get that deep in your brain because what you're doing is you're fighting against that all or nothing mentality of weight loss, you know, which is either doing great or not doing anything at all. Worst philosophy ever, right? Nothing in life is good like that. Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to get back to, I got your email. So I, I will shoot you something after this call. Um, so, you know, for a lot of people, I, I, you know, and I don't know where you're at, so let me know where you're at, but I'm curious to know a lot of times that, that first of the year thing, right? We want to hit it. We want to do well, but then it's eh, not so much right now. It's, I don't blame anyone for not doing well. You know, in my world, what we talk about is a thing called re-entry, right? Because the last whatever, four or six weeks, right? You're kind of off with the eating, off with the living, you know, a lot of stress stuff to do with, with um, holidays and things like that. And so people think they're just going to kick off start January 1st, just hitting it a hundred percent. Probably not, you know, probably not. You're a little depleted. And so really what should be the first week I think is people should just take a step back and recover, right? Get some sleep, get some rest, drink some water, eat some nourishing food, go for a couple walks, you know, start slow. No one wants to start slow. Oh, Switzerland. All right. Um, that's cool. I always think like most of my people that watch the videos, it's like all America. So it's always cool when people from uh, Switzerland are showing up. That's that's really neat. Um, I'm over here in America, over in Massachusetts for any uh, an Americans here that wonder where I'm at. Um, so yeah, so so the first year, so, so this week, because I know there's a whole lot of people, I want to lose weight. Okay, 2023 is going to be my year. And the first week came and last week. It's always something, but last week it's hard because again, it's that Sunday. That's a hard day to start. And then Monday it's kind of a, uh, okay, you're New Jersey. All right. Um, then, then Monday comes and that's the observed holiday. And it's like, oh, I don't know this week. And then next is Tuesday. Who starts the thing on Tuesday? Next thing you know, the first week's over. Right. But here's the secret is that doesn't have to mean that your weight loss for the year's over. Right. If you take nothing else from what I'm saying, it's this. I swear to you, the number one skill for weight mastery is the ability to get back on track fast. Okay. And so here's your opportunity to do that. And so, you know, like I just sent an email to, to my, um, my people where it's like, let's look at the week. Well, we're going to let it go. So let's do that. Let's all do this together. Let's look at the last week and what went right. Right. Cause hopefully some things went right. And even if you said, you know what, I'm going to lose weight this year. And it's like, you start off on Tuesday, maybe you had one or two days where you did pretty well. Great. Let's focus on those. How did you do those two days? What did you do? How'd you get yourself to do it? You start asking questions like that. And then we say, what did you learn? Right? What, what went wrong? So maybe you got two days under your belt and then, then you kind of fell off track. That's okay. As long as you look back at it and learn something from it. You know, what a lot of times happens is people are, again, they're on, everything's great, or they're not doing it all. And then they're just not thinking about it at all. All right. So this is an opportunity for you. If you get into the mindset of every week. I think Saturday's great, Sunday's great, but it's a it's a reflection, you know. Now we do this in the program, right? We talk about the program yourself then technique, which again is the redo and rehearsal technique. And so every night you're reviewing the day and you're kind of rehearsing tomorrow how you want it to go. Um, but reviewing the day is probably one of the most important things. And that is what I'm talking about here. It's the ability to, you're almost redoing the week. You're you're replaying the week in your mind. What worked, you're reinforcing and utilizing and doing more of. And what didn't work, whatever mistakes you made, you're learning from those. You know, what happened? What, what went on? Um, do I need more motivation? Do I need better logistics? Do I need to prepare better? Right. And so you take, because here's one thing that happens a lot of times, just in a strategic, practical sense, is people will start off okay, maybe because they're prepared. You know, maybe, maybe they got like two salads they bought. Now they're, they're good for two days, but then they got caught up and they didn't get any more salads and that kind of threw their reading off. So you want to really like identify where things, 
kind of went sideways, right? And most people don't do this. They just assume that that logically there's going to be there and willpower themselves to do the right stuff. But you want to start thinking more strategically, right? Get more strategic with what you're doing. And to get more strategic, you have to reflect on what you've done, you know, and really look at it and see, okay, this worked, this didn't work um, and take it from there. Because then that's how you keep getting better week after week. And this is a perfect time as well to really practice a better time frame. you know, to be thinking in terms of, well, let's see what I can do in January. You know, no, you want to start saying, what can I do the whole year? You know, where do I want to be one year from now? And how can I kind of reverse engineer that? And I always love that question, especially at the beginning of the new year, because it allows you to think in a longer time frame. And typically we tend to think in very short time frames when it comes to weight loss. And that causes, causes us to, um, you know, uh, if we make a mistake, it feels overwhelming. Um, someone says, explain the meaning of eating blueprint. If you get the chance. Yeah, I'll talk about that right now. Um, eating blueprint in my program is it, it's in depth, right? So, so I'll, I'll kind of cover the, the basics of it. And a lot of it is, is more, it's more subtle. So a lot of times in my program, I, I always look at things kind of two levels. So, so the eating blueprint on one level, the obvious level, it's a plan of how you're going to eat all week long. Um, and so I'm a big believer in structuring your weekly eating. Okay. And so you don't have to start off this way, but for me, where I'm at now, I basically have five days of eating clean and two days. And what I mean by eating clean is I'm really, I'm trying to eat as healthy and as clean as I possibly can. And I am looking to, uh, I'm looking to eat as healthy as, as I can. And I'm looking to make most of the decisions, my food decisions during that clean time based on what's going to make me feel the best right? So what's going to nourish my body? What's going to give me energy? What's going to be my calorie ranges, help me master my weight. And then the other two days, I wouldn't call them cheat meals, but they're more where I'm making more decisions based on how enjoyable the food is, you know? So I'm eating more carbs. I'm eating, you know, I just have like a muffin. Um, so I'm eating more stuff like that on the weekends, you know? And so that's kind of how I do it. So that's kind of like the, the most obvious biggest level of it. But then within that is where the real magic happens. And it's much more subtle, structure to how you're going to get through a day. So I'll give you an example. Um, for a lot of people, they intuitively try not eat breakfast and lunch or eat as little as they possibly can, because those are typically the easiest meals to eat very little on. And so people think, well, I'm cutting calories down, but you have to look at things holistically, right? Because what you eat for breakfast is going to have a big impact on what you end up eating for dinner and after. Do you understand? So you got to start looking at things in a holistic sense, because if we just look, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've had people say, um, I'm doing great for breakfast and lunch. It's the afternoon and night. That's, that's the problem. So what are you eating for breakfast and lunch? <laughs> I'm going to do anything. So that's why it's great. If I could just not eat anything for you know afternoon and dinner, I'd be great. But, but you said to me like that, that's kind of short sighted. Obviously you got to eat, you know? Um, and a lot of times people kind of subconsciously think they, they need to starve themselves to lose weight. And they're like, the more, you know, hunger I can deal with, the more weight I'll lose. And I've found that to not be the case. I think the secret is you need to manage your hunger. You see, and so we use a thing called the hunger scale, zero to 10, 10 stuffed, zero is absolutely starving. And if you're at a zero, one, two, and you're really, really hungry, it is very difficult to not eat the wrong foods, right? Because you're, you're really hungry, you get obsessed on the food. And then as your glucose levels go down from not eating, your prefrontal cortex, your willpower, your executive functioning, that uses a lot of glucose. And so now it's depleted, you see? So you get this crazy intense hunger, you're subconsciously fixated on food because you're really hungry. And then you have less ability to say no to the wrong foods, you see? And so that's a bad situation to be in. You don't want to do that. That's not strategic. That's not a strategic approach to mastering your weight. And that's what the, that weight loss, that hypnosis diet 
mindset you get in it is where you just want to lose away as quick as possible. So you say, because you think in short-term time frame, you say, well, I could starve myself for a little while. You know, I could deal with a little bit, you know, a lot of hunger for a little bit, a little bit of time. But again, that's why right off the bat, what we're talking about is weight mastery. We're not just looking to lose weight because you don't want to just lose weight. You want to lose the weight and keep it off and live at your goal weight on your autopilot for the rest of your life, right? Better goal. And in order to do that, you're going to need a new strategy. And so that strategy cannot be, I'm just going to starve myself and deal with that, you know, because it's probably not going to work for you. And so the alternative is that you learn how to manage your hunger. So for me, within, within an hour of waking up pretty much, like I'm looking to get myself, go back to that hunger scale. I'm looking to be in a three to five range. You know what I mean? I want to be in a, I'm, I'm, I'm feel good. Like I'm not stuffed. You know what I mean? But I've, I've got, I'm, I'm not starving. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm comfortably, comfortably got food in me. Right. And so in that place there, my hunger goes down again. I've energized my, my brain. I'm not fixated on food anymore. Cause I just ate and I know I'm, I'm feeling good. And so don't get me wrong. I might still get cravings for stuff sometimes, but it's like the cravings aren't in as intense because what drives your cravings and where you're at the worst is when you're really, really hungry. You know, when you're really hungry and then you get an unhealthy craving, it's a lot harder to deal with it. You know, it's a lot easier when you're a little bit hungry. You know what I mean? It's a lot easier to deal with it then. So managing your hunger is a crucial, crucial part of mastering your weight and the best way to manage your hunger throughout the day. So the reason I'm able to eat well, I think primarily is that I'm not starving. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm rarely that hungry because I'm managing my hunger, you know, typically. And so, um, that's the eating blueprint. And now that's, that's kind of the, the philosophy of it, right? The practice of it is that you're looking to create a, a specific plan for yourself, you know, because this again is another thing you gotta, you're hypnotized to think that someone's just going to give you the plan and you're going to follow it, right? That's kind of intuitively how you think about doing this whole thing. But really what you want to do is take the time to customize a blueprint that is for yourself. And what I mean by that is specifically is the ability to, um, the ability to say, okay, these are the foods I like enough, right? So again, that's some other thing too. A lot of times when you're, when you're structuring your food, it's not about like, again, it's a shift. So it's not about like necessarily food you love to eat. So I, like my lunch, right? I, yeah, I'd rather eat sandwiches. I'd rather eat tuna melts and potato chips for lunch. I enjoy that more than salads. Okay. The taste of it. But again, during the five days, I'm looking to orient my food decisions based on what's going to serve me best. Again, I use like a living vitamin. I use that phrase because the idea is that, you know, once in a while in life, you can make a decision about food. That's not about how it tastes. Right. So the living vitamin strategy is again, why do you take vitamins? They don't taste good. You take them because they make your body better. Right. And so it's the same thing. You can make some food decisions based purely on like, as you take a vitamin, what's going to nourish my body most, what's going to help you most and make a couple food decisions a week based on that. Let the food be boring. Right? Nothing will happen. If you eat some boring food, you, you'll, you're still going to be alive, right? You'll be fine. Not every food has to be a celebration and entertainment. Okay. So that's part of this is, is really becoming comfortable with the fact that you can make you know, And again, it depends what your goals are, but you want to get to the point where you can have some food decisions that are based on what's going to nourish you best, what's best for you. You know, that's a game changer, you know? And so you need to plan that out though. And you want to structure that now, again, different people have different, um, requirements, right? So again, we all have different preferences, lifestyles, genetics, you know? And so we want to take all that into account. So for me, I always tell people like my, one of my superpowers is I can eat the same thing every day. I don't care. I'll eat the same breakfast Monday through Friday. And I don't care. You know, um, part of that's buffeted by the, the belief like food is fuel, 
you know? And so those clean eating days, like I'm really working to live by that mantra. Food is fuel, you know? And if I really believe that I'm going to make different food decisions. And so I really practice that, especially Monday through Friday, breakfast and lunch. I'm really looking to live by that mantra that food is fuel and, and, and you know, live by that, make my decisions by that. Um, and now again, for me, I don't need a lot of options of variety. That's me though. Now you may say, oh, geez, I couldn't eat the same thing every day. No way. Great. Then how many things do you need though? You know what I mean? Figure out how much variety do you need for breakfast? You know, how much variety do you need for lunch? It's not as much as you think. I can almost guarantee you. Okay. You're not eating something different every single breakfast of the month. I promise you, you're not making 30 different things a month. Maybe you're making four or five different things. All right, fine. And so the point is you start having, um, so, so if, if breakfast, again, you pick the number, you maybe need one thing like me, and then that's easier, right? But maybe you need five things. And then you got to put the work in to figure out, well, what are five options that are, you know, something that are within my calorie ranges of where I want them to be, um, relatively nutritious and healthy, um, something that I don't hate. Again, you don't have to love it. You know, like, like I, I enjoy my salads enough, you know, they're, they're not good compared to sandwiches and chips. Right. But, um, they're fine. You know, like, like they're, I don't hate them, you know, and I don't really love them. I'm kind of somewhat neutral about them, but what it does for my body, I'm very excited about and passionate about, right. It makes me feel really good. It's a, it's a foundational piece of the whole process. And so, um, you know, you figure out however much variety you do, come up with some options that fit into your criterias. You know, again, their, their calorie range health wise for you. Um, you don't hate them. You know, you're, you're, if you love them, great. That's ideal. But at the very least, just don't hate them and fine. And then the, the key one, I think maybe the most important one of all of those is that it's, uh, it's easy to prepare. You know, you don't want really complex stuff. You know, um, you can make complex stuff sometimes, but when we're talking about breakfast that you're going to have regularly, it's like, it's fine to have some complex stuff sometimes, but you've got to take into account that. The more complex it is, the less likely you are to do it consistently, right? So um, you got to keep that in mind. And so what happens is you start creating a blueprint based on these sorts of philosophies and um, you build it up uh, daily and then you have a week long plan, you know, and uh, so many benefits from that because, you know, for me, so it's like five days, Monday through Friday and my clean eating days. And then the weekend is, is less clean. I call it like foot off the gas, um, planned in perfection, you know what I mean? But it's just... It's more making food decisions based on the pleasure of it, how, how it tastes. Now, the beauty of this model is that it lets you practice every single week. There's two real benefits of this, this whole system. The, the first one is, and I think this is the most important, they're both important. So, so the first one is that every week between Sunday and Monday, I'm practicing getting back on track. And I swear that's one of the most important parts of this whole thing because like I said, the biggest skill to mastering your, mastering your weight is not to be perfect. It's to be able to get back on track fast, quickly. You know, I always say like, it's not the crime, it's the cover up. You know, you've heard that, that saying, and it's not the binge. It's what we do after it. And usually what happens, and this is unique to dieters, that when they make the mistake, they tend to go way off the reservation and way mess up. And it's a long time between when they make the mistake, when they get back on track, you see? So you want to get good at getting back on track. So this idea of having the eating blueprint of having like kind of these two categories of, of days is you're practicing every week getting back on track. So every Sunday into Monday, you know, and, and I, I'm better at it now than I was, you see. And so I, I've gotten good at being able to get back on track quickly. It's come practicing every week. And so the other side of this structure is this, and this is really important too, is that scientifically they've done studies, what's the best way to deal with unhealthy cravings? And 
It's not to say, oh, no, I can't have that. I refuse. I'm not going to do I'm on a diet. I want to lose weight. It's not that stuff. It's to say when we have the craving or we want the cookie to say, I'll have it later. Right? And why does that work? Because in our mind, we'll say, oh, I'm going to have the cookies. And we say, no, I'm not going to. I can't have that. Our mind interprets that and experiences that almost as like, well, I'm never going to have a cookie again. Right now, it sounds silly, but that's how our mind responds to it. It's like, oh, I'm never going to be able to eat this. I'm never. And we start getting worried and deprived and all that stuff. And so when we say I'll have it later, we're not saying no to it. We're not saying we're never going to have it again. We're just saying I'm going to have it later. And so by holding it out into the future that way, we still allow ourselves to kind of feel some dopamine from it. Because as soon as we say, no, I'm never going to have that, we actually restrict dopamine. And that's that feeling of deprivation that you get. And so when you say, well, I'm not going to have it now, I'll have it this weekend though. Um, that is a very, very effective strategy. And so that's what they found when they did a study. It was, it was a dessert or chocolates, but they would ask people to say different things. And the people that said, I'll have it later is the most effective. So that's why I instituted that into this structure is that now what you do when you start Monday through Friday, you're not saying I can never eat the things I want to eat again. You're saying, I'm just going to have them right now, but I'll have them this weekend. And what happens is you can look forward to it and you just anticipating that, that, that pleasure makes it easier to eat well when you're not doing that, you see? And so I would say like, like the quickest way you could get me to screw up my eating would be to say, I'm never going to eat sugar again. I'm never going to eat carbs again, right? The second I say that, I start to feel deprived, you know? And so what I do now is like, if I want to eat, well, bread, I don't really eat much bread and flour during the week, you know? Um, but I do on the weekends, you know? And so if I get a craving for pasta, for example, like on Tuesday, um, instead of saying, no, no, you can't have pasta. You can't have pasta. I'm saying, no, I'm going to have some this weekend. And so it still takes a little bit of willpower, you know, okay, whatever, but it's a lot easier to say, okay, I'm just going to wait a couple of days and then I'll have it. That's a lot easier than saying, well, I'm never going to have it again. And I just want to lose the weight. And do you see what I'm saying? So I hope that makes sense. And so taking people through the eating blueprint, again, there's a lot more to it, but, um, you know, that, that's the general structure of it. Um, someone says, I usually can't remember what I did. Yeah. Reviewing the week is difficult. Maybe I need to review the day. Yeah, you do. You, you're probably not good at it. <laughs> it's a skill. It's called recapitulation. And the ability to kind of look over your day and remember what you did is, is hard. If you've been struggling with your weight for a long time, you almost have to assume that you're very bad at that because it, a lot of what you're doing is outside of your awareness anyways, right? And so that's normal and natural. What you're doing with that, you know, when you master the redo and rehearsal technique by practicing all the time is you are really... Like I always say this to people, th there's so many things embedded in those two techniques I teach you because it seems like such simple techniques. You're like, what is this? What is this? But there is so much psychology built into those techniques. And so one of them with the redo technique alone is that you're developing your ability to, uh, you're, you're developing your ability to remember what you ate. And I promise you, you're not as good at remembering what you ate as you think you are. I've done over 5,000 private weight loss sessions. I promise you what a pattern that is consistent is that people don't remember what they ate today. And if you don't remember what you ate, you have a lack of awareness of what you ate. It's very difficult to lose weight because you don't even know what you're doing. You know, and so it feels like you're not eating much, but you're eating more than you realize. This is a big challenge people have because it feels like you're seeing everything. You think you're seeing everything. You think you're aware of it all and you're not. You see, and so, um, and it's not a you thing. It's just a human being thing. We're not designed to remember every little thing. You have to develop that ability. But of course the reader and rehearsal technique help you do that. And so you're right. So I usually can't remember what I did is not unusual. You're developing that ability, but I can tell you now because I've been practicing for 30 years, I can like tell you everything I ate all day. I know now part of that's because I have a lot of structure to my eating. Um, but the other part is that I've practiced reviewing the day. 
So I've developed my awareness of what I'm eating while I'm doing it. And then I've increased my ability to remember what I've eaten all day. And that is a foundational piece that makes it a lot easier to eat better. All right. So yeah, that, that's a skill that you're developing. And so if you don't have it right now, it's okay. It's just something you get better at. So much again, what the way I approach weight loss, my clients is it's not, you think that weight loss is something like you just need to learn some information that's missing. And then that missing information is going to change everything. I'm trying to tell you that weight loss is much more like learning an instrument or playing a sport. You know, it's about you get shown something and that's the first step. But then the rest of the step is practicing it over and over and practicing it and reinforcing the, the good stuff you do and learning from the mistakes you make. And it's no different with weight loss, but very few people really approach it that way. And so it's kind of an all or nothing, you know, let's just try and see what happens sort of mentality. And uh, that doesn't work well, you know, obviously. So again, it's not the idea of like building up skills. It's what do they say, right? Don't, don't wish it were easier, wish you were better, right? Or wish you were stronger. It's that mentality of becoming the person who can naturally and easily control their weight. That's the idea. And breaking down the skills that allow you to do that. You know, that, that's what I think is the best, um, best approach. Uh, but yeah, so if you guys have any questions, you know, I'm going to, um, how to get skinnier. Yeah, that's what we're talking about here, right? How to get skinnier. Well, and by the way, so that, that's a that's a, a big old question, right? How to get skinnier. We can break that down in a million ways. However, I want to just break it down with the most obvious way that your weight loss is completely dictated by the caloric deficit you create, right? That's the that's how you lose weight. So I just want to make that crystal clear. Sometimes people get you know confused in a lot of different ways. Um, yeah, it's about fuel, not taste, right? Yeah, now, not all the time. You see what I'm saying? So again, we want to have balance. So when I say, well, that's one of the mantras in the program, right? One of them is um, 80% fuel, 20% fun, you know, and that's a nice ra you know, ratio, but you can tweak that to yourself. But it's the idea that, you know, how much of your food do you want to make? When you think about how much food, the food you're putting in your body, how much of that decision do you want to be based on fuel? You don't think of it as fuel for your body to power all of this. And how much do you want to be dedicated to fun? You know, and that's a, that, that's up to you to make that number. You know what I mean? It's not me telling, I say 80, 20 just to start off with, but if you say, ah, that's too, that's too intense. I'll do 60, 40. Well, great. Whatever you want to do. But I think you should absolutely make some distinction between when you're making decisions, food decisions based on it being fuel. And when you're making food decisions with it being based on fun and entertainment and start becoming aware of which one you're using to base your decision on that. That's a very enlightening thought too, you know? Um, someone says, do you coach one-on-one? -on -one? Uh, I don't really coach one-on-one -on -one right now. Um, I do, but right now I don't have any spaces anyways. And, uh, you know, uh, what I will say is I do have a private group, you know, so it's a very small group, um, that I'm putting together, you know, cause I just, I I'm kind of full up with a one-on-one. -on -one, so if you want to do group, um, which would be less than five people right now, it'd be one-on-one -on -one and it's way, way less expensive, but it's still a, an investment. But what I would suggest if you are, if you're interested in coaching the, the route, I would say for a lot of people is to, uh, is, is my program. Okay. Because my program, I, I've just relaunched the program and I've redone the whole thing, but the, the key part that I've added to it is that there is office hours. And so every Tuesday and Thursday we have calls where you work one-on-one -on -one with me. I mean, it's a group, but you can, you know, we work together and that's profound. I mean, I've been doing this stuff for a long time. So it's like, I really, I can turn you around really quick. So it is valuable. Um, but I take you through the system and it's everything you need but I think you need support with it. And that's why I've offered support. I think it's like, I give you the worksheet, the workbook is 60 pages, right? So I'm not going to pretend like it, it's a, this is a meaty course. I would say it's like a college course condensed into eight weeks. 
you know, but, but think of it like a college course. If it's a 60 page work, but they're bringing you through. And it's a lot of like, you know, they're not rocket science questions, but they're emotional questions, you know? And so I've found that I think people need some support to get through that. You get stuck on little things and that's why I'm there, you know, to help you do that. But once you fill that out, you have this customized, personalized roadmap that you can follow to really master your weight. And it's everything. It's mindset, lifestyle, and eating. It's everything you need to really master your weight. But a lot of this stuff are things you've never even thought about, like the mindset piece, um, even the lifestyle piece, you know, and then the eating. I wouldn't try and change my eating without having the other two um, areas fixed. You know, it would just be a waste of time, in my opinion, you know. So, um, and so to, to put that in terms for you, it's like right now you listening to this, you know, if you're not part of my program or if you're not part of a program at all, it's probably because you don't really want to lose weight, you know? And so it's important to recognize that. Like, are you unable to lose weight or is it that you don't really want to lose weight all that much? And it's probably that because you're confusing you wishing that you'd naturally, you're wishing that I all of a sudden you want to lose weight. You're wishing like, like Monday, this, this Monday's coming up and you're just wishing like all of a sudden you'll just be motivated and start losing weight. But like, how much do you actually want to do it? Like, how much are you willing to commit and uh, take action to do it? And you're probably not there. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people in their weight, they don't like it. They wish it was different, but they don't really take the action to actually make it happen because they're not really motivated, you know? Um, so anyways, that's uh, that's the first thing most people have to get around. Um, what are your thoughts about oats? I always thought they were good for us, but now I hear otherwise. Um, I always thought the oats were good too. Uh, so that's news to me. I'm not a nutritionist or a dietitian, so I don't give too much stuff on that, but, um, I like oats. Uh, I guess it, the, the, the big question I would say is this with food in general is you have to make the distinction between what it is and how it's been prepared, you know? So you got to start looking at that. And so certainly, you know, there's some oatmeals, right? Some, some recipes for oatmeals are healthy and some recipes for oatmeals are unhealthy, you know? Um, it's like potatoes, right? So people just assume potatoes are unhealthy, but, that's because they're usually fried, you know, your mashed with butter and, and, you know, cream and stuff like that. But a potato on itself is not unhealthy, you know? So, um, again, it depends on that. I have not heard that oats weren't healthy. So that's interesting. I haven't heard that one. Um, you say we should sleep on an empty stomach, but that keeps me awake. What can I do? Oh, okay. Well, you know, listen, if that doesn't work for you, then, um, you can eat something, you know? Uh, again, there's no right or wrong. There's only what works for you. That's the most important rule of all of them. Okay. But I will say as well, I think an important thing to understand is that when you're looking to make changes, especially like when it comes to your weight, I mean, and that's why I try and say like, like these changes are more in depth than you think they are. You know, like we, we have a tendency to kind of minimize the things we're looking to do. Like sometimes people say, well, I got to go to bed earlier. Well, going to bed earlier is, is it's a subconscious process. You're, you go to sleep kind of subconscious you have your subconscious routine of when you go to sleep. And so changing that is a lot more than just saying, oh, I'm just gonna go to bed earlier. We, we always make this mistake. Creating a change just takes more time and effort. It's more about reinforcement. And so when, when I look to create a change, I give myself a lot more time now. And I expect that there's going to be a transition period. And I've done this with like, like everything. I remember peanut butter. So it's like when I shifted from like kind of Jif to a natural peanut butter, well, at first I didn't really enjoy it. The natural peanut butter tasted weird to me, you know, but I knew I said, okay, well, it's gonna be a couple of days of weirdness and then I'll habituate to it. Right. When I started eating salads every day, my stomach didn't feel right for Jesus, probably a week or two. You know, like I, I felt like I felt like someone had poured cement into my intestines. I felt very like full. And I think what it was is all these beans I was eating, all this fiber all of a sudden I was putting into my body. And so the initial reaction, it wasn't painful, but it wasn't a pleasant feeling, you know. But I knew in my mind, I'm saying, okay, it's my body 
adjusting to this. You know, this is a big difference. And so I give myself some time to adjust to it. And so going to sleep with an empty stomach, I remember that one. It felt weird, you know? Now, again, you have to understand that, that like whether something's good or bad for you is not the main decider of whether it feels weird to you, okay? So you can habituate to things that don't necessarily feel good. So like when I used to eat all the way to, to sleep to when I go to bed, um, I would sleep very hot, right? So I would be very hot all night. I'd sweat a lot. I wouldn't sleep well. And that's just what I thought sleep was, you see? And so as I started eating less and less at night and then going to bed, yeah, it felt weird at first to lay there in bed with an empty stomach because it was unusual. So it's better, I think, but it was unusual. It was different. So it felt weird, you see? So sometimes when you're making these changes, just the way it feels initially, you can't put too much meaning in that, you know, because sometimes it's you just adjusting to it. So I'll give you an example. Let me show you. I'll give you an example of what I mean, right? So clasp your fingers together like this, okay? Clasp them together. Do this though, all right? Now let me ask you, which which thumb is on top, right? So mine, my right thumb's on top. Now you have no idea which thumb you are, right? You have no idea. You've never thought about this in your life most likely. And so there you go. That Whichever thumb's on top, that's your dominant thumb because now I want you to unclasp your hands and put them together the other way so the other thumb's on top, right? Now, notice it feels weird, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's like you don't care, right? Logically, there's no value in having one top, thumb on top of the other. And you never think about it. You never, never something you've even thought about in your life. But subconsciously, one feels right, one feels wrong, right? And so we could give that all sorts of meaning. But at the end of the day, it's just because that's kind of how you do it. And when you do it the opposite way, it feels weird. And so, so much a change that we make um, you have to anticipate that initially it's going to feel a little weird, you know, and so have that, have that awareness in your mind and allow yourself some time to habituate and get used to it. That's what I would say, because again, it feels weird. It keeps me awake to sleep on an empty stomach at first, probably, you know, I would give that probably a, a week, two weeks, three weeks to see if I get used to it, you know, and if I don't, and I was like, it really just doesn't feel right. You know, this is where your intuition does come in play. Well, if you, if you go to sleep and your stomach's empty and you feel it's just not helping you sleep, you know, then you're, you, you look at it and you, you kind of readjust. Maybe I'll have a little snack. I'm going to have a healthy snack, but now you're in a better place anyways, because now you know, let's just say you do it for two weeks, right? Two weeks, you stop eating at night and you go to sleep with an empty stomach. You don't sleep great, but now you got two weeks of where you haven't been eating before bed. And so now you say, okay, well, I've got an empty stomach. I don't really like how it feels. And now you can make a much better choice about what you're going to eat before you go to bed now. Right. And so I'd suggest eating something that's natural. That's not going to, you know, um, be bad for your body, no sugar, you know, that stuff there. So again, it's, it's all about, no one does this. And I'm telling you, this is the real secret to mastering your weight is to try different things. It's the Jeet Kune Do philosophy, Bruce Lee, right? He was not just a, a movie star. He was a legit martial artist, like real created his own martial art called Jeet Kune Do. And he was a philosopher, had a degree in philosophy. He's a smart man. And so his Jeet Kune Do philosophy is he would study any martial art he could get his hands on. He would study fencing, boxing, anything, and he would take what worked and discard the rest. And so I really adopted that and it's been very, very helpful. And so, you know, even eating at night, anything, it's like test it out, right? Because again, obviously not eating at night and then going to bed with an empty stomach would be ideal for a lot of reasons. You know, you're probably going to end up after you get used to it, sleeping better, um, you're reducing the calories, you know, that there's just a lot of good stuff to it. Um, so, but again, it's up to you, you know what I mean? So you're always experimenting and you're trying things out and then you're learning from that, you know, and you're tweaking it. And if you adopt that approach, it's, it's unlike any weight loss plan you're doing, 
right? Because the weight loss plans you're doing now, it's like, okay, here's the plan and you follow it to the letter for a little bit and then you can't do it. And then you stop doing it completely. You see? And the problem with that is that that's what keeps you on that hamster wheel. Cause you never get any further, you see? And so for me, it's like, let's try something and then let's see what happens. It worked or it didn't work. If it didn't work, let's learn from it. What can we do next? That's more optimized based on what you learned. You see, and if you keep on with that philosophy and you keep with that approach day after day, week after week, month after month, it's like six months later, you have completely new strategies. You have completely new habits you're working on. And, um, and that's what we want to do. That's why I say mastery, right? You really want to master your weight and, and you want that attitude to it. Not this like, well, let me see, you know, let, let me see if I can do it. Right. It's like, um, I don't know. It, it's almost, it's almost childlike. You know what I mean? Like, like you'll, you'll try it. And it works or it doesn't work. I don't know. Didn't work. I tried that and it didn't work. Right. And it's like, well, nothing works. It's like my, my son's like this. I get it because he's just, he's 10. Right. So it's like, like he'll play like the guitar is like one time. Oh, this is way too hard. I can't do it. Well, of course you can't do it. You haven't learned how to do it. Right. And so, but we do this as adults sometimes with the diets. It's like, oh, it didn't work. I, I can't do it. You know? And so it's like, stick with it, you know, learn from it, grow, evolve. And if you take that approach and then get back on track quickly, and it's like, you know what I mean? It's a whole different thing. Stop thinking wagons. You know, like I always say, don't be all or nothing, be all or something. Always do something, you know, keep moving yourself in that direction. Um, and that attitude is just completely opposite of what, how people do. What do you think is the key for changing mindset? Um, I think the key for changing the mindset is you need to have reinforcement. I think that's the most important thing. I think the biggest mistake people make is that they think that there's some, some missing piece of information that once they get it, everything's going to change. You know, and this is why people are obsessed with trying to analyze what their problem is. What's wrong with me? How can I keep doing this? Why can't I stick with a plan? But your subconscious mind is a servo mechanism. It just answers the questions that you ask it regularly. And a lot of people are asking habitually problem-oriented questions. And so they're just getting more and more of the problem, right? And so what we want to recognize is that there is no information I could tell you right now that's going to change everything. I, I can't stress that enough. It's not the information. It's the transformation from the inside out into the person you want to be. And what that's going to require is reinforcement. You know, understand what I'm saying. So let me, let me put it in a different context. It's like um, piano, right? So, so if, I, if, if someone shows me like, oh, this is how you play this song, right? And they just, do, 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 do. well, great. So I just watch them do it. So now I, what, know how they did it? but I can't do it. I would have to practice it. I would have to reinforce playing that over and over and over again, get it into my body, get it into my mind. You see, that's how changes, you know, you think change is just, you're missing some piece of information. And once you get it, everything just is different. And it's just not true. You get that piece of information. It goes into who you are as a person. And the only way you're really going to use that information in a changing way is to use it in a reinforcing way. So that you kind of reinforce the stuff. And so I think the key for changing mindset is reinforcement. And that is why, okay, so let me tell you why I, I think that in the program yourself thin system, right? The, the cornerstone of it is this program yourself thin technique, which is, it's a two, it's really two techniques. It's a redo and rehearsal technique, but here's the thing you do it every night. You know what I mean? So every night you're reviewing your day, every night you're rehearsing for tomorrow, you know, and that's reinforcing the process of finding solutions to mistakes that you made during the day, connecting to the ideal person you want to be and imagine yourself behaving the way you want to behave. Does that mean you're just going to do it? No, that's the point. But if you consistent, see like to get good at piano, it's not like, it's not like I have to teach you everything. The main thing I have to teach you if you want to be good at piano is how to practice. If you get a practice routine installed, well, you're going to be good at, at piano. 
But without a practice routine, you're not going to be good at piano. It's that simple. I could give you a book with all the information of piano in it and give it to you. But if you don't practice, you're not going to get good. Do you see? And so it's the same thing with the weight loss and the mindset, especially is you just need to practice it. Let me put it a different way. Learning a language. Okay. So let's just say, I mean, do you just need to be told you just need a dictionary, like a Spanish to English dictionary, and then you just know Spanish? Well, obviously not. I could tell you, you know, casa means house. Well, do I, cause I told you that one time now you just know it forever. Well, obviously not. Right. And so you would have to reinforce that. You got to use it in some conversation. You need to hear it a couple times till it finally starts to solidify in your mind. Well, it's the same thing with all your mindset. Just cause I tell you this stuff and you have an epiphany and a realization, it doesn't matter. It's, it's like you have to reinforce that and you have to remind yourself and you got to keep bringing it back into your life. And, and it's like a muscle. You want to think of like your neural pathways, like building muscle. Right. And so you can't just go to the gym one time or you can't just learn about exercises. You have to go to the gym multiple times, brushing your teeth. There's no toothbrushing routine that if you do it once a month, is going to keep your teeth clean. You have to do it every day. Same thing here. So you got to reinforce it. So the, the key to changing your mindset is really reinforcement. There's a lot more to it than that, but that is the number one thing. Stop thinking there's some magical information out there. That's what's got you trapped in the diet mindset, that diet hypnosis. Um, is always telling us in a subtle way that the only thing between you and losing all the weight is some magical plan, you know, some magical um, meal planning, right? Oh, 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 all of a sudden we discovered this macronutrient. If you limit this, everything changes. It's just not true. Because again, there's knowing what to eat, but then there's getting yourself to do it, you know, and that's the challenge. But you should look at it like learning the piano, learning a language, learning a sport, right? It, it's um, ongoing practice of it that gets you good at it. Right. And, and if you approach it that way, I think it's much more accurate and you'll get much better results. Um, <laughs> Regan, I see you. I know you, Regan. Is empty stomach the same as hungry? If I'm hungry, I can't sleep. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a great, that's a great distinction. That's a good question. And I think that's up to you. You've got to, you've got to know that that's, that's up for you to decide. I think that there's, there's knowing when you've eaten enough. Okay. And so you've got to start to become aware of that because I always tell you like everything I'm saying is not going to work because everything I'm talking about is based around health, you know? And so I'm not here for you to starve yourself. That, that, not at all. I want you to be thin and healthy. I don't want you to be thin and sickly. I want you to be healthy because I don't see anything better with being super thin, um, and anorexic and, and sick than I do with being overweight and obese. I think both of them are not, not the place you want to be. Okay. So you gotta be in that sweet spot. So it's up to you to start to know when I've had enough calories and food. Now you gotta understand at first, you're not good at this, you know, because you're used to being over full, you know, you're used to having too many calories in your body, you know? So you're not used to having less calories and, um, living on less, you know? So it's a process of habituating to it. You see, again, what most people do with the diets, average Americans consuming 2,700 calories a day, Average diet, and again, they're, they're raising this now, but average diet, day one, you're cutting, you're going down to 1,200 calories, you know? It's a 60% reduction. That, that's way too much. It's so overwhelming to cut 60% of your calories on day one and expect you're going to live with that, you know? Me personally, I'd rather cut 20%. I'd rather work on cutting 20% out and then see what the results are over a month, two months. And then if I want to lose more weight, then I'll start reducing some more calories. But it's easier now because I've adjusted to the 20% over those couple months. Right now you hear me say a couple months and you're probably freaking out because again, th there's so many like hypnosis, the diets have hypnotized you to think about things in a screwy way, you know, and, and just so many subtle ways. I got to make this video so you can see them all. But one of the key ones is the time frame you're thinking in, 
you know, and that's one of the main things that keeps you stuck is because you think in such a small time frame, you, it, it, it affects everything else you're thinking of. Right. So, cause let me give you an example. It's like, if you, if you're a sprinter, right, you see the world or at least, you know, the track world, you see it as a, as everything's a sprint. And so that's a different mindset than someone who's like a marathon runner, you know? And so everything changes based on that paradigm that you live in. You know, the way you train, the muscles you're developing, the way you view the race, it's different if you're a sprinter versus a marathon, right? And so when you're a sprinter, the littlest mistake, you're going to lose the race because there's no room for error when it's a sprint, right? The slightest little mistake, you lost the race, you see? But that's how most people are approaching their weight loss. It's like a sprint, a short-term thing. And I just want to lose the weight quick. And so give me the most extreme plan. I'm going to follow it perfect. But what happens is the second you make any mistake, it feels catastrophic. It feels like, oh, I just lost. I can't do it now. You see, so that, that time frame that we subconsciously are, are living in, that has a huge impact on your weight because it's dictating so much of the plans that you're even going to choose. Cause you have a short time frame in your mind. You think, oh, I just want to lose weight quick. Then that obviously leads you to choose more extreme plans that are harder to sustain. You see? So the first thing I like to tell people is start realizing that you don't even want to lose weight, right? Your, your main goal is not to lose weight. That's just the, that's just the first process. And it's only going to take a couple of weeks, months, or years to lose the weight. But then from that point forward, you want to live at that weight for the rest of your life. That's the part you should be focusing on is the weight mastery, the living at my goal weight. That's what I want to do. And you're not fixated on that. You're just fixed on the losing weight part. And I know this, I've, I've talked to so many people. So what are you going to do once you lose the weight? Well, I don't give a shit. I'll figure it out then. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, well, no, you can't because the way... The way you lose weight fast, the strategies you use to lose weight fast and the strategies you use to lose weight for good are very, very different. So what are you going to do? You're going to lose the, the strategies to lose weight fast and then the strategies, they're totally different. And so most of the time when people want to lose weight fast, they choose these extreme plans, can't maintain it. And then the worst part is they say, oh, there's something wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. The, 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 there is a little bit wrong with you, I guess. It's your, it's your mindset, but it's not your fault because you've been hypnotized by the diets to think about weight loss in a very specific, un, uh, ineffective way. Um, but it's not you. It's not that you don't have the willpower to do it. It's not that you don't have the motivation. It's more that you don't know how to do it. it you know what I mean? Like you, your strategy, your strategy is so inadequate. And it's not your fault in the sense that you've never learned any of this stuff. So you don't even realize it. You think this is the crazy part. This is the mass hypnosis people are in when it comes to weight loss is that they are, they've been hypnotized by the diets, right? The diet, that diet mentality is the main mindset. And that mindset is bad in a million different ways. It, it, not just bad. It's, it's ineffective is a better word, right? It's inadequate for what you're looking to do. It's a, um, it's a bandaid, you know what I mean? For a gunshot wound. It's just, it's a knife at a bazooka fight. You know what I mean? The diet is not up to the task, you know, because basically what's a diet? A diet's basically whatever the specifics of the diet are. The basic structure of a diet is that it's like, okay, here's the plan. Now, again, they're always a little different. What the plan's saying is different, but the thing that's always the same is, okay, here's the plan. Now just force yourself to follow it. That's the problem. The hard part is actually getting yourself to do it. And the diets never show you how to get yourself to actually do it. You see? And so, um, you know, that's why they, they don't work well. But again, I do these, I do these, um, these live streams, and I do everything I'm doing here. A big part of it is to give you an alternative to that dieting mindset so that you can just realize how inadequate it is, you know, and stop bl blaming yourself. You know, you keep thinking there's a, there's a character flaw in you that's preventing you from losing weight. And I'm telling you, it's not a character flaw. It's a lack of strategy. It's a lack of, um, you know, 
mindset. You, you don't, it's a lack of knowledge. Okay. So it's like, I don't know how to play the piano. I, I know a, a tiny little bit about it, but it's like, I don't have the, I don't have the programming to play the piano. Right. So if I wanted to learn how to play the piano, I would, I would have to get that. You see, you're in a spot where you have no idea how to live as a thin person. You know how to live as a dieter. You know how to live as an overweight person who wants to be thin. And all of your thoughts and feelings kind of flow out of that. Okay. So I hope that, I hope that makes sense. Um, when I lose weight, I feel my self-sabotage come in and it makes me feel off even though I want it. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Cause that's, that's really important. One of the main reasons that happens is understand this, that m you don't even know motivation most likely. Now I'm, I'm speaking in general, so maybe you do know motivation, but you probably don't. And so the motivation you feel when it comes to weight loss is pain-based motivation, right? And so what happens is you step on the scale, um, you, you step on the scale, you see a picture of yourself, you see your reflection, you, the clothes don't fit, you get really upset, you feel lots of pain and you get really upset. You say, I don't care. That's it. That is it. I got to lose this weight. And in that state, you're very emotional. That state is a very hypnotic state, by the way. It's a state because hypnosis is just where you're bypassing the critical faculty and dealing directly with the subconscious mind. Subconscious mind is very emotional. So when you get that pain, that picture scale, clothes don't fit, reflection, you're so upset, I got to do something. But now you're very emotional. And you're usually going to choose some extreme plan. Now, what happens is because your motivation is mostly just pain-oriented, right? There's two big problems. First is your brain doesn't like pain. Your brain is a pleasure seeking mechanism. So to orient your success based on feeling a lot of pain is already hard. Okay. Cause you're not built that way. Um, but the second big problem with that is that say your motivation is based on pain. Oh, I can't believe how bad I look in that picture. I can't believe the scale. So Oh my God. And you, I, I got to change this. I got to change this. Use all that pain. You mobilize it to start taking action. And let's just say you start getting some results. Well, now what happens is the pain starts going down right? you start losing some weight. Now the pain's not as bad as it was, but uh-oh, uh your motivation was based on pain. So uh-oh, look what's happening, right? Your motivation's going down too. So this is a big problem people have. This is why a lot of times people will get to their goal weight. They'll use all that pain and get to the goal weight and then they put the weight back on, okay? And it's because that motivation they used was based on pain. As the pain starts going down, so does the motivation, okay? So that's self-sabotage. That's how people describe it a lot of times. But a lot of times it's not self-sabotage. It's a diminishing of motivation because it's based on the pain. And so ironically, the better your results get, the less motivated you are. Okay. And so um, the answer to this is to, you, you can use pain motivation. Pain motivation is very, very powerful. So in my program, right, the very first thing you do is the motivation blueprint. And I take you through what I call the motivation matrix. The first level is pain and pleasure right? Knowing how to use pain and pleasure strategically is the core of motivation. And then level two is intrinsic, extrinsic motivation, which is almost like the scientific approach to motivating yourself, right? And so there is a scientific approach. There, there's nuts and bolts of, there's recipes, you know what I mean? There's, there's ingredients to motivation. You have no idea what they are, but they're there. And so once you fill those out and you know what really motivates you, that's probably the hardest part of my workbook is the motivation piece um, because we really get in depth with it. But once you have that, you like, you understand your motivation, right? Because right now you don't, you're not even motivated to lose weight. You can't get yourself to do the things you want to do and you don't know how to do it. You know, unfortunately for you, you, the motivation is just very spontaneous. You need that painful experience to have any chance of getting motivated. You see? So it's a very, very weak, unpredictable. You have no control over motivation right now for yourself. So what you want to start doing is really focusing on the pleasure of not just being thin, but being the person you want to be. 
So I always say this, you want to wrap your weight loss in personal development. And so you want to reframe this process of one of, I want to look better to who do I want to live as in my life? What's the most important thing in your life? Is it being a parent? Is it being a partner? Is it being a child? Is it being a worker? Is it being a friend? I don't know, but you got to find that out. And then you got to start thinking, how is my weight and how I feel about myself because of the weight, physically, mentally, emotionally, how is that affecting the most important things in my life? Because it's got a negative effect on them. Remember, we got to be body positive. We don't want to, there's no need to feel shame or bad about your weight at all. There's no, nothing embarrassed, none of that stuff. But we do want to get to a level where we recognize cause and effect that if we're carrying an extra 60 pounds around, if we're eating like shit, if we're not moving, if we're not living healthy, all of those things are, they're making things worse. The things that are most important to you, they're, they're harming those, they're costing you. Okay. So you got to look at it that way. That that's the beginning, you know, of finding better motivation. Um, so yeah, when I lose weight, I feel myself sabotage. Yeah. So again, it, that that's part of the reason why is your, your motivation almost guarantee is based on pain. And then you start losing some of the weight and the, and the motivation just goes down, you know? Um, oh my God, I have a lazy eye too. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but, oh, do I have a lazy eye? How do I deal with imposter syndrome when I lose weight? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. And again, that, that's so, in my probably right, that the mindset piece, we start with the motivation and we go the second one, once you are motivated to say, okay, I do want to lose weight. The next thing we focus on is self-image, your identity, because you hit the nail on the head. That imposter syndrome of, listen, if you've been struggling with weight for 10 years, 20 years, you have built up the identity of an overweight person. You've learned how to be in the world as an overweight person. You know, you think like an overweight person, you got your self-deprecating jokes, you got, you are comfortable being that way. People know you that way. Everyone's comfortable in that situation. Even though you don't like it, it's comfortable. It's familiar, you see? And so you have to understand like change it's not just about like, like on a logical level, obviously like good things are good, right? Going to bed with an empty stomach's good. Uh, losing weight, that's good. Uh, you know, all, like making more money. Oh, these are all good things. But on a subconscious level, it's not so easy. You know, all of a sudden, and I'll, so let me share with you some of the challenges from losing weight. Cause you say, oh, I just want to lose weight. And if you lose weight, everything's gonna be great. Well, here's some of the things that may not be so great. And you should reflect on, well, if you're a woman, you might think, well, if I lose weight, then I'm gonna get more attention I don't want. You know, and so on some level, you might be using that to, you know, protect yourself, you know, and so, so much of this process is really becoming the person who you want to be. And, um, right from the start, because I can't tell you them a conversation I've had with people where I said, well, you lost the weight, what happened? And they go, well, I lost the weight, but I didn't feel like myself, you see? So us feeling congruent with how we think of ourselves is going to trump anything else. And right now your, your weight you're, you're comfortable. You're familiar with that weight. And when you think about losing weight, I guarantee you, you like, here's, I'll simplify this right now. If you're overweight, you attach pleasure to being overweight and pain to not being overweight subconsciously. And, um, you have to change that now. How so you say, well, what, what, what kind of pain would I associate to being overweight or to being, to losing weight? It, you don't associate pain necessarily to losing the weight, although you may, the example I just said with a woman, um, but you may say, I don't want to lose weight because it's boring. It sucks. It's too hard. It's miserable. I don't like my life when I try and lose weight, you know? And so if you associate that to it, you're not going to want to lose weight, you see? Because again, I promise you, you're not going to like this probably, but I always say like you weigh what you want to weigh, you know, short of having some extreme physical condition, you weigh what you want to weigh. And the truth is you don't really want to lose weight that most likely that's been, that's 95% of the people I've ever worked with. They didn't really want to lose weight. They wish they'd lose weight. Again, your wish is a 10 out of 10. You wish you'd magically wake up Monday, just want to lose weight. 
that wish is a 10 out of 10, but you're actually your want, right? The actual want part of how much you're actually willing to do and commit and do to it. That's probably like a two, three, you know, somewhere in that ballpark, you know? So, um, that's, that's, you want to recognize that, but the imposter syndrome. So again, what I say, the reason I bring that up is from the very second with, with my program, right? So I, I'm glad you asked these questions because no one answers this stuff. No one identifies this stuff that I know of. I literally have never seen a program, weight loss program that in, integrates the self-image piece of it. And it's so important. And so um, that's why I say, once you get through the motivation piece, the very first thing we start with is self-image. So the process right from day one becomes, who do I want to be? Who do I want to be? Who do I want to live as? And you're developing that right from the get-go because it's so important. You're always going to live up or down to your self-image. Because if you're not being your self-image, even if it's better, it feels weird and you won't, you won't stick with it. Okay. So right from the start, we will say, this is the person I want to be. And just because you say it doesn't mean anything. It's kind of like, let's just say, I was like, I want to be a piano player. Well, the first step I got to do is make a decision. Okay. I want to do this. But the next step that's going to dictate whether I do it or not is how much, what strategy do I have to actually learn the piano? How good do I get at practicing? Do you see what I mean? And so it's the same thing here is to say, okay, I want to lose weight. Okay. That's just the first step. The next step is what do I need to practice regularly to make this happen? Well, your self-image is one of the main things I'd suggest you focus on, right? You got to focus on who do I want to be and you nurture and develop that. Just like if you wanted to build up muscles, you go to the gym every day and do the, the exercises to build those muscles up, right? And so part of this process ought to be you saying, I want to be this person and this is the person I'm becoming. Now, just because you said it doesn't mean it just happens. You have to practice it. Right, reinforce it. So that's why you're dealing with imposter syndrome because you're not even dealing on this level at all. No one deals with this level at all, right? And they don't even recognize that they feel weird. They feel like an imposter. They don't feel like themselves. And it's a weird feeling. And that weird feeling, it's like this one. Remember I just showed you, it feels weird. It doesn't really matter, but it's like, it feels weird to your nervous system. And so your nervous system, I, I don't know, like I lost the weight and I guess it's good that I lost the weight, but I feel weird. I'm just gonna put it back on. Do you see now again, you don't make it that obviously, but, uh, that's kind of what's happening. I tell you, um, yeah, so all right, let's see. Thank you. Thanks so much. Your explanation of motivation is great. Good. I'm glad that helped you. I love the kidnapping example about motivation. Yeah. So I'll just tell that for anyone who doesn't know that just to prove a point that you're most likely not motivated to lose weight. And so I say that to you, not to be an asshole, but just to say, see you, you, the, probably the biggest mistake you're making right now, like habitually is that you think you assume that you really want to lose weight. You, you believe that you just assume that, oh, of course I want to lose weight, but you don't want to lose weight. Again, you wish you would lose weight. No doubt about it. You wish you'd wake up tomorrow at your goal weight. You wish Monday, you'd just be magically motivated and do it. You no doubt, but actually want to is very, very low. And you need to recognize that because the big mistake a lot of people make is they think that they're motivated and they're not. And then they beat themselves up for not losing weight. Well, again, I'm not beating myself up for not playing piano because I don't want to do it enough to actually take the lessons and practice it. You see? So it's like, you know, I got, I wish I'd learn piano, but it's like, I'm not taking the time to actually learn it. So I'm not going to beat myself up for not knowing it because I don't really want to do it. You see, and you should look at yourself like that and say, you know what? I'm going to stop beating myself about losing weight because I don't really, I haven't really wanted to. I've really wished I would. You've got to make that distinction because once you do, then you can say, okay, wait a second. No, I, I really do want to lose weight. Okay, well, let's look at it. The core question I always ask myself, I'd suggest you do this. I've asked this question to myself a million times is, do I even want to lose weight? Do I even want to lose weight? You can't assume that question. You know, I've done that in my business. Do so I really even want to make money? You know, it's like, you really have to, because if you have been overweight or you haven't been making the money you want for any period of time, 
you're, you're used to that. You're familiar with it. And so you can't just assume that you're motivated to want this thing because you're not, you know, and recognizing that's so important because then you can go to work on, um, fixing it, you know, fixing the problem. And so right now you don't even know what the problem is. You're completely lost. All right. That's why again, January 1st is always so fascinating. Cause that's the, that's the time of year where you're supposed to get motivated and, and lose weight. But it's the, it's the most insightful time of year if you use it appropriately, because you realize you really wanted to get motivated and you really wanted this to be the year, but you have literally no idea how to motivate yourself. <laughs> you know, that's the problem, you know? And so you can go, you know, again, obviously in my program, I, I take you through that right off the bat, but you know, even on your own, if you realize that's the problem, you know, you can make more headway you yourself just saying, you know what, I'm not really motivated to lose weight. Just recognizing that's going to probably bring you to a better place than just thinking that you really do want to lose weight and you can't do it. Cause I promise you it's a motivation. So the kidnapping examples, if you think about the person who's most important to you in your entire life, who you love the most, if they were kidnapped and the kidnapper said, you're never going to see them again, unless you lose some weight this month, right? How hard would it be for you to lose weight? And, and what level would your, your want be then? Well, now all of a sudden it's a 10. So compare that feeling to where you're usually at. And, and you're usually way down here. And that feeling brings you up here. It's an unpleasant you know, idea, but it just serves a point to, to point out that you're way down here with your want and it needs to be up in this ballpark. you know. And so how do you get to that? And, and the secret there is that you have been hypnotized to think motivation-wise about your weight based primarily on how you look. Okay. So every time you really get fired up to want to lose weight, it's usually based on something appearance wise. You know, you're thinking, I want to look better. I want to look better. And that's a shitty form of motivation. It doesn't work well. Um, and that's why it hasn't worked for you. It, it's extrinsic motivation. It's the weakest form of motivation, you know? Um, so yeah, but that is a great, I love, I love the kidnapping example too. Um, I feel like when I eat, it's like a dopamine hit. It's cyclical. I'm not sure how to break the cycle. It is like, it is a dopamine hit. Um, so let's talk about dopamine for a second. So dopamine is literally what feels good, right? So anytime you feel good in life, right? You know, little kid gives you a hug. Um, you know, someone you, you care about tells you they love you. Uh, you eat a chocolate chip cookie, right? All of that is dopamine being dropped into your brain. It's the learning chemicals. So when we do something that's good and, and feels good, and especially if it's a surprise, right? If we weren't expecting it, it's something that feels good, more dopamine, all right? But even when we're going to anticipate, so we think about, oh, should I have the ice cream? Well, even anticipating that ice cream starts to release a little bit of dopamine with the expectation that we're going to give them more of it. And that's what's driving your behavior. Okay. But the key thing to understand is that you, we're all dopamine addicts, all of us. Okay. And we live in a society that's really learned how to manipulate that a bit, right? With everything, you know, and food as well. And so you have two dopamine circuits, and this is where things get interesting. So you have a dopamine desire circuit. And that's routed through basically your, your limbic brain, your emotional brain. And so that's that dopamine desire circuit. You can light up when you eat the cookie. It, it's, it's fast, instantaneous kind of lighting it up. It's in the moment. Let me do this thing that feels good, right? L let me just scroll another video. L let me just, you know, look at one more thing. Let me check my email. Let me have that cookie. Let me have that ice cream. What, that's all that dopamine desire circuit. And we can just bing bong through the day, feeding that, feeling that level of dopamine. The other way to experience dopamine, because you've got to experience dopamine. There's no... What you've tried to do in the past when you try to lose weight is you try to say, no, I don't want you dopamine. I don't want any more dopamine. I'm going to say no to it, right? And that doesn't work very well, okay? So what we want to do is we want to be strategic and we want to feel dopamine, but we want to feel it in a different way because the other way you can feel dopamine is the dopamine control circuit. And that dopamine circuit runs up through your prefrontal cortex, up through your executive functioning. Um, your willpower is up there. And so what that means is 
that's the dopamine you experience when you commit to something kind of long-term. So it's not necessarily the in-the-moment dopamine of like eating something or scrolling through something or that sort of dopamine. It's the dopamine you get when you commit to, I don't know, a child, right? The child gets older and you're like, wow, look at, look at what I did. Um, or you commit to a relationship or you commit to learning the piano or learning some yoga or mastering your weight. And so it's, it's dopamine that you get from looking into the future and really seeing what you've developed, um, looking at the big picture. Okay. So for example, it's the, I'll, I'll use my lunch as an example, right? So I could have like a, a tuna melt with chips or I could have a salad. All right. So with the sal with the, do the, the dopamine desire circuit, I can light up with the tuna melt with chips, right? Cause in that moment, I'm eating, I'm, I'm, this is good in the moment. Okay. But what I do is I keep focusing myself. Now I'm, I'm explaining this very, very simply again, my, my, the redo and rehearsal technique, the program yourself then technique we use actually reinforces this. It helps you develop your dopamine control circuit. And so when I decide what I'm have for lunch, I choose the salad because I'm tapping into that dopamine control circuit because I'm not getting that burst of dopamine that I would from the sandwich and the chips. But what I am getting is I'm getting the dopamine control circuit dopamine because I'm thinking to myself, if I eat that salad every day, I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to have more energy. My business can be more successful. My relationships are better. I'm a better father. I'm a better husband. All the things that are important to me are made better by me eating these salads. And so by thinking long-term, by looking into the future and seeing the big picture, I'm able to tap into that dopamine control circuit. And so I'm still getting dopamine. And that's the secret. I'm not trying to say no more dopamine in my life. I'm saying I'm going to get a different form of dopamine. I'm going to get my dopamine from a different place, from the control circuit. And that requires me to look at kind of the bigger picture of things and make decisions there and to live in that space as much as possible. I hope that makes sense. Um, so that's how you start breaking the cycle. It's not to eliminate dopamine. It's to start to replace the dopamine desire circuit dopamine with the dopamine control circuit dopamine. So um, if you understand dopamine, maybe it'll make some tea. I hope I didn't talk in circles on there, but I hope that that helps out. Someone says, I've been losing a few pounds a month. I must be slowly changing something. Yeah, that's great. And again, I mean, that's what you want. Losing a, a few pounds, a few pounds a month is wonderful because it's kind of like, this isn't necessarily true, but it's kind of true that the slower it goes, the longer it's going to last. All right. And so I like to believe that. And I tell myself that anyways, because again, one of the core things you got to do mindset wise is orient yourself to a longer term process. Stop looking at weight loss as like I always say, like, like people look at weight loss in terms of days, weeks, and months, and you need to change that into looking at your weight loss in terms of months, years, decades, and forever, you see. And right off the bat, that changes everything. It's a completely different paradigm you know, that you're looking at the process with and that changes everything that, that follows. Um, so yeah, losing it a little bit at a time is great because then it's not so overwhelming. You know, people, you've been trained to way overcorrect because you're, you're so conditioned with the diet hypnosis about losing weight as fast as possible that, um, you know, you, you'll choose extreme plans, you know, but you never think about how can I, so another saying that kind of describes this is people overestimate how much weight they can lose in a month and underestimate how much weight they can lose in a year. You see? And so if you start orienting yourself to that year, you can more strategically and more sustainably drop the weight in a way that isn't as hard. Do you know what I mean? Like, like people think weight loss is so hard because they're always trying to do it too fast. Y you know, um, I always say like, like the piano thing, right? It's like, if, if I only wanted to learn the piano and I, I would only learn from books that are like, learn a piano in a day, learn a piano this week, you know, those types of books. Right. And so it's like, if, if that's all I would learn from, I wouldn't really learn the piano because I'm just, I keep getting more and more shortcuts. And so instead of spending all your energy on the shortcuts, 
spend your energy on sustainable strategic approaches. You know, just do the work. You know, stop looking for shortcuts. You know, um, but again, the diet hypnosis is always conditioning you just look for the shortcut. You know, if you want short, short of things. Um, do you have a hypnosis for changing how I think about my tinnitus? I, I don't, but I have heard that hypnosis is very effective for that. I literally have never worked with anyone with that. Um, but I do, I have heard that's one of the more effective things that, that is good with that. So, so I wish you luck with that and definitely explore that. Cause I've heard, um, that's one of the better ones. Um, someone says, but the long-term dopamine is still not ended. Depends on me, motivation, willpower to get real. Yeah, sure. Sure. That's totally true too. Um, dopamine's relative. You know what I mean? So it's like, um, you get your dopamine, you get your dopamine from based on what you look at. Right. So for me, like, I don't, it's funny, you know, like, uh, some of that dopamine is like physical and some of that dopamine is mindset influenced. Okay. So what I mean by that is that like, for me, like with the sugar, I don't get as much of a dopamine hit with it because there is just a physical part of it for sure. But I think a dope, I think a sugar, like I frame it differently. So I'm going to say this, right? So, so again, I'm going to preface this by saying one of the things I think you need to develop is an ability to exist with cognitive dissonance. So our brain doesn't like to hold two competing ideas at the same time. It's, it's an uncomfortable place to be. And so I think it's good to get that way though, because the, the thing that's unique with weight loss is that the addictive, the things that you're dealing with that you're addicted to, you can't just leave behind completely. So to me, it's like to really manage your weight and master it effectively, you've got to gain an ability to be able to be, to like manage your addiction almost, you know? So with sugar, right? Sugar, on one hand, I think of sugar and I think of it like, like cocaine. I think it's like this powdered substance that's super concentrated, super processed to absorb into our bodies as quick as possible, right? Because thousands of years, people are chewing on coca leaves, right? But it's, it's way less concentrated. It takes longer for it to get in your system. So it doesn't have the same effect, right? But now we got sugar or, or you know, the cocaine, you boil it down to, you know, down to a little powder and then it's absorbed in your blood system instantly. And so the impact is way stronger. Well, it's the same thing with sugar. So on one hand, I think of sugar like cocaine. On the other hand, I give sugar to my kids. <laughs> Wouldn't give them cocaine. So this is what I'm talking about, cognitive dissonance. It's hard to hold those two things at the same time, but I find it to be really, really helpful, you know, during this process. So again, I think of sugar as cocaine in some ways. And then I ate a bunch of cookies with sugar in them last month, right? I'm not doing cocaine. <laughs> so it's like, we, we can hold these. And so what I was saying is like with the dopamine, like when I eat sugar, I'm not getting as much pleasure out of it as I used to, because I now have an understanding of it where I understand the harmful effects of it. I understand that the more sugar I eat, the more sugar cravings I'm going to have. I understand the addictive nature to it. I understand the tsunami effect it has in my body. So I can't let go of that. I mean, that, that's what I think of. That's my mindset when it comes to sugar. And so when I eat sugar, I'm releasing less dopamine than I used to because of all that mindset piece. All right. So to your point, um, the idea to get real, if what you mean um, is that, you know, the dopamine is based on a lot of it is mindset based, you know, and that's why I say this process again, when, when people want to lose weight, it's, um, I was, I just made a video on this. Usually when people want to lose weight, they're always taking choices away. Right. So it's all about like, they have to stop doing this and stop eating that and stop doing this. And that creates a vacuum because your subconscious mind just needs to know what to do. You know, and a lot of times when people want to lose weight, they're just focused on what they have to stop doing. And they just say, stop doing that, stop doing that, stop doing that. The truth is you need to give yourself more options. And so this applies even to the core of weight loss where people say, I want to lose weight. And so they're even referencing their overweight self and saying, I don't want to be like that. 
So I always say, you're better off saying, I want to weigh X amount of pounds than you are saying, I want to lose X amount of pounds. Because I want to lose X amount of pounds causes you to reference your overweight self and body. Saying, I want to be X amount of pounds causes you to think about the person you want to be. And that little shift there is going to impact your dopamine, right? Because if you're only thinking about, I don't want to be overweight anymore, well, you're not getting a lot of dopamine from anywhere, okay? When you start saying, I want to be X amount of pounds, and more importantly, I want to be the best version of me. I want to have energy. I want to be the best father, the best business owner, the best husband. Uh, you know, you start pick things that are important to you and you start building everything around that. And now again, you, you're, the dopamine stuff is all starts to encourage what you're doing. I hope that makes sense. Um, with this thinking, I could stress myself and I'm in the wrong circle again. I don't understand that one, but um, cool. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so let's see. So if, uh, yeah, if you guys got any questions, I'll answer them. I'm not, I'm not going to, sometimes I get talking so much, which I can do. Right. But if any specific questions, so where are you guys at? I mean, I'm, I'm curious to know, right. So we're the first week of, of the new year here. How are you guys at? Did you start? Was it kind of like, ah, oh, this is the year and it didn't happen. Or did you say this is the year and it's happening? You know, it's working for you. Um, where are you all at? Because it's about getting specific again with what what's worked for you this week and what hasn't even to the point of motivation, you know? So again, I think this is one of the, the aspects of my program is that it, it categorizes things. It breaks things up. So there's a phrase called like, it gives you more granularity. You have very little granularity about your weight right now, most likely, right? Again, it's this all or nothing thing. Oh, okay. I lost six, six, six 6.6 pounds and I have about 15 pounds left. Yeah, that's great. Good job. Congrats. And so that's nice. And the 15 pounds, what you may find, right, is that sometimes the closer you get to that goal, the longer it takes sometimes, you know, not to not put a negative suggestion in your mind. It, it doesn't have to be that way, but it can be that way. And if it does, instead of getting frustrated, because there's no magical thing about getting that, that goal weight, because the second you get to that goal weight, then it just becomes a process of maintenance. And so I like to blur those lines. So if your goal weight's here, the closer you get to it, I like to make the process not even so much about weight loss as it is weight maintenance, mastery, you see? And so I think that's helpful psychologically because sometimes the last 10 pounds come off the slowest, you know, and it can feel frustrating if all you care about is just getting those 10 pounds off. So I'd suggest you split your awareness and half of you wants to get down to that final goal weight you have. But the other half of you is saying, okay, how can I work on my maintenance, my mastery? Cause that's the next stage. You know, that's the step that you really want to master. That's your ultimate goal, you know? So that can be a helpful way to kind of approach it. So I hope that helps. Um, so it says I have about 50 pounds to lose. Yep. Gave up fried foods. Nice. Working on being mindful eating. Yeah. Mindful eating is, I think the secret weapon, you know? Um, and I don't think it's a secret weapon. It's not curative just because you're a mindful eater doesn't mean you fix everything right away. Okay. Understand that. I think the big benefit of mindful eating is it starts to give you more awareness of what you're doing. And from that awareness, you can improve lots of things. So I, I want to make this clear that I don't think mindful eating of itself fixes it and cures everything, but I think it's a first step to being able to get to that point, right? So I think that's a, a, a good one. But yeah, focusing on mindful eating is great. The more conscious you become, the more kind of aware you become present, you become when you're about to make a food choice and when you're eating, I, I, don't, I can't think of anything that'll change your eating more than that, all right? Because a lot of times what we're, we're just mindless, we're, we're, you know, Again, we're, we're mindless by nature, by the way. I understand that our brains are designed to pretty much have us run on autopilot. You know, we're not meant to be completely present and aware all day long. You're not, you're not built that way. You're built to pretty much be on autopilot. Like, for example, whatever, you know, tomorrow's Sunday. And it's like, you have a pretty good idea how that day is going to go, what time you'll get up, what you'll do then. And then pretty much how the whole day will go. 
you know, unless it's some weird day, but if it's a typical Sunday, you have a pretty clear idea how it's going to go and you'll wake up and you'll just, you know, you'll go through those, those processes and stuff. Um, so that that's the way the mind's set up, but you can, you can develop mindfulness. So you become more aware of your patterns. You know, you're never going to be completely mindful. I just want to make that clear. So, and that's not the intention. Again, you want to use that mindfulness to program your subconscious mind to automatically act in a way that keeps you at your goal weight. You know, the goal is not to become like some super conscious being who can make always enlightened decisions in the moment. You're not built that way. All right. So optimize yourself to use that mindfulness to transform your subconscious mind. So you automatically naturally do it that way. Um, someone says, just finished your hypnosis, just joined your live. What's a good way to stay consistent, and motivated? That's the challenge. Yeah. Staying consistent and motivated is the biggest challenge. I would say there's, there's a, a lot of ways to do it. I mean, obviously my program, um, that's, that's the biggest thing. And so just to give you an example, um, and you can use this as motivation, um, or, uh, as a, as, as a concept, as a model, but like with my program, like, so the first day it's eight weeks of every morning, you get a five minute session, you know? So every morning within the first half hour, you listen to this five minute session. And so it's five minutes of being present, you know, of closing your eyes, just relaxing physically, you know, it's just like, okay. Cause no one starts their day like that. Right. People just kind of wake up and like, gone to the day, you know? And so that hypnosis session in the morning is such a game changer where it's just like, okay, let me ground myself. And you're not just grounding yourself. You're connecting to this ideal version of you. And then you're listening to all the suggestions and that's going in. So obviously that that's a, that's a good one. That's kind of in the program. Cause I think that is the biggest challenge. Um, right now you have, people have very little consistent support for the good stuff in their lives, you know? And so, um, a good way to stay consistent and motivated is to set yourself up. So I, I guess I would say like being strategic because this is, a, again, comes back to what I was just saying. People overestimate their conscious minds. You know, you tend to think that your success is going to depend on you all of a sudden being fixated and focused on what you want and always reminding yourself of that. When in reality, you want to use strategies. You want to implement habits. And so for me, again, like, so, so what am I saying? So when someone joins the program, it's like right away. So I deliver the the uh, program through an app for eight weeks. So the second you join the program, you know, you download the app and it's in there. And now all of a sudden it's like, it's coming right to you every morning. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, cause your phone's already in your life. Right. And so we're doing this like habit stacking. So because you're looking at your phone, usually within the first half hour, well, as soon as you look at it, now you're getting a message. It said, you know, and each day is a, a different, you know, thing or message. Oh, thanks, Catherine. Great advice. I'm glad you, you like that. Um, so, so every day you're getting that message and then you tap the little button and it brings you to the session. And then you sit there and you, you know, you listen to it and you experience it. So imagine for the next eight weeks, you spend five minutes. Now you can do this on your own too. You know what I mean? Again, I, I, it's a little harder. You got to think about it, but you ask yourself the question, how can I stay consistent? How can I add a ritual in the morning? And that's why I would start. I start everything. I like to start in the morning. Okay. Cause again, I like to think like each day is like you're building a house and you want to start with the foundation up to the roof. And so how you eat at night is going to have a huge, is going to be very um, related to what you did in the morning. You see, you have a kind of a holistic approach to this and, and see, because um, everything that's happening earlier is affecting what happens after it. It's not just the moment. And so how you get consistent, again, it, it starts by asking the question, how can I stay consistent and motivated with these things? Again, become solution oriented and start to find some really simple, easy and even if it's just one of them, like getting up in the morning and just taking a moment to center yourself, to reflect on what your goal is, you know, that sort of habit 
can have a huge impact on you because you can't just assume because you're really fired up to lose weight now that that's going to just stick with you. It's not, you know, you have to reinforce it. So again, you're, you want to commit to the routine of things, but that's a great question. And I wish I'd give you a more specific answer, but um, knowing your situation without knowing the, like the, the nuts and bolts of it, it's harder to say that. Um, someone says my current goal is to figure out the nutritious options I like with minimal powder. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's what it is. I'm always optimizing my eating. You know what I mean? Like it never ends. And and I don't want that to scare you. It's, it's, that's the process. You know what I mean? Like you never end anything like you really care about, right? You never end being a good parent. You know what I mean? You're never done with it. You're always just getting better and better and better, you know? So yeah, it's always on to something and always, uh, you know, improving and making these things better. Um, someone says, when you said that we probably don't want to lose weight and I only wish it, how to get to truly want it. Yeah. Okay. That's a great question. And again, it's that the answer that starts with the awareness that you have been hypnotized by all the diets, you know, so you can't even think clearly, you know, this is just the truth. Um, and so part of that, one of the, the, the key things they hypnotize you with is that most of your motivation for losing weight is really about, um, most of you went, Oh, Catherine just said, Oh, so okay. Yeah. Okay. Catherine, I know I saw you yesterday. You got in the program. So I can't wait Tuesdays, live calls. All right. Make sure you get on there. Um, and if you have any questions, you know that you got the help desk and you can email me. Uh, so yeah. So how do you get yourself to want it? So the first thing you need to recognize is that most of your, you've been conditioned to think that what's motivating the most motivating thing to lose weight is how you look. Right. Because think about a, think about, you've seen probably literally millions of weight loss advertisements in your life, right? And what percentage of those advertisements are showing you the before and after picture, right? It's always fixating you on how you look. And so you have to understand that literally, scientifically, this isn't my opinion, scientifically, how you look is the weakest motivation. It's called an extrinsic motivator, okay? And it's the weakest form of motivation. Now, listen, if you're a model, or if your life, um, you know, if your livelihood, you know, depends on how you look, well, then you're going to have more motivation because there's more factors to it. But for most of us, how we look isn't going to change our lives that much. Don't, you know what I mean? Don't freak out. Okay. But it's, it's true. Okay. And so what you want to do is you need to right off the bat, if you really want to get motivated and you truly want it, is you got to figure out reasons why you would want to live at your goal weight. And so that takes deeper thinking. I would say there's no question. You know, again, I, I say this in the, the program, we start with the motivation blueprint and I, I put it there for two reasons. One, it's the most important, but the second one, it's probably the hardest one to answer. Again, it does take some thought and some reflection, but once you know that it is like having a, a bazooka level motivation, because let me give you an example. I'll just tell you how I do it. Okay. And how I view it. And you can hopefully pull something out of that. But for me, my weight loss motivation has never been about primarily about how I look. Okay. It's a part of it, by the way. So I'm not saying you shouldn't care about how you look. That, that's a fine to have as part of it, but it's not going to be enough on its own. And so for me, if you don't know my story, my father died when he was 54 of a heart attack. I was nine years old. And so for me, weight has really always been primarily life and death. You see, my father was overweight, obese. Again, I don't know if he would have technically been obese, but he was right there. I think he would have been. And he had a healthy lifestyle. It's so always known that living like that kills you. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, it's not like, so, so when I was 50 pounds heavier, it wasn't like, Oh, I want to look better. It was like, Holy shit. I, I can't, I got to change this. Cause I am not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to die at 54. Again, at least not, not willingly, <laughs> you know, a, a bus might hit me, but 
I'll take that over killing myself, you know, with the food and the lifestyle. And so for me, it was like, I am not doing that to my kids. You know what I mean? I'm not doing that. And so um, I'm gonna do everything I can to really take control of this area of my life. And so you hear the way I'm talking about this. This is literally life and death for me. And that's just one aspect of it, right? So the first part is longevity. I want to live as long as I possibly can. Now, to your, let me let me just share a little, drop some stats on your head. Um, Framingham Heart Study, look it up. You should read this. It'll be more impactful. But Framingham Heart Study found that if you're overweight, on average, you're going to lose 3.3 years of your life. If you're obese, seven years on average. Now, you've got to think about this, right? We were talking about this yesterday, right? And someone put it the best. Because it's like I said, well, is that a drastic reduction? Because they say three, that doesn't sound like that much. Three years of your life from being overweight, potentially, you know, and that's not even including the the quality of life before that happens. I'm talking about just literally how many long you're here. That's and someone said like that's the pandemic, right? That if you don't think three years uh, felt like a long time, right? Well, that pandemic that felt like a long time, no, right? So three years is a long time. Do you really just what you know what I mean? You're just gonna send that. So I hope your longevity matters. Now this is important too. If you think about this, you have no brain structures in your head to motivate you to want to look better. You know, understand that, right? All your brain is an evolved brain and the millions of years it evolved over, there was no mirrors, there was no pictures, right? There's no scales. So like your weight and how you looked on top of the fact that it was a food scarce environment most of that time and weight wasn't even an issue, but how you looked didn't mean anything until relatively recently. And so you have no brain structures dedicated to you losing weight or looking better. There's no motivation there. We, we, we get it now because we've mapped motivation because we have social brains. We can understand, you know, oh, being a certain weight does matter in the society now, but it's a very, very weak form of motivation compared to the brain structures you have for your survival, right? You've evolved over millions of years with a survival instinct. And so it's not so much about trying to get yourself to be more motivated to lose weight so you can look better. It's more about transforming the way you think about weight loss. So it's not about looking better. It's about living longer. It's about living the best quality of life that you can live, being the person you want to be. See, now we're tapping into brain structures that we have, longevity, our quality of life, how happy we are, um, our intrinsic motivators. Now, everyone's got different intrinsic motivations, but what's important to you? Again, if you're a parent, that's probably one of the main things. If you're in a relationship, that's one of the main things. And so you want to look at the things that are already the most important to you in your life. And then you want to say, how is being overweight? It's not how you look. That's the key thing I'm saying. I'm not saying because you look bigger that you're not as good of a parent. You've got to, you've got to stop thinking that way. you got to say, because I'm tired, because my knees hurt, because I'm worried about being diabetic, because I'm eating like crap and not sleeping and I'm, I'm tired and frustrated and pissed off at myself, that's making you a worse parent to, to use strong language here. But you see what I'm saying? You need to make, it's a reframe more than it is like you just trying to get yourself wanting to look better. That, that's a fool's errand. It's never going to work. You just, you can't make it happen you know, cause it's, it just doesn't mean anything. It hasn't worked and it's not going to work. And so what you have to do is you have to see, you got to clean the lenses of your perception. And that's really what my program is. And it, it's not easy. I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's effective, you know, because you have been hypnotized when it comes to your weight and you think the main reason you want to lose weight is so you can look better. But the real reason you want to lo lose weight is because you've got a medical condition here, a literal medical condition that is 
potentially going to lower, lessen your lifespan, make you die two, three, four, five, six, seven years earlier than you need to. Right. And then while you're alive, you feel like shit about things. You said it's like being a drug addict a little bit. Right. In the sense that it's just that it's that repetitive. It's so boring. People tell me like how I eat is boring, but I think what's boring and I'll tell you how to, how to do this, how to get this feeling. If you're a nighttime snacker, one of my favorite techniques is the fly on the ceiling technique, you know? So again, you're experiencing that nighttime snacking in the moment and you think of that behavior with the consumption. And so that, that, that part feels good. Okay. But if you imagine you were a fly on the ceiling and you were watching yourself and you imagine yourself watching yourself day after day for a month, month after month for a year, year after year for a decade, being that fly looking down at yourself mindlessly every night, mom, 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 mom. then all of a sudden it's like depressing and it's sad. And it is. You don't feel it that way though, because you just think of, you just think of the eating it and all oh, this feels good. Oh, I get to relax. But when you zoom out a little bit and get a different perspective on it, you start to realize, holy shit, no wonder. It's like, I always go back to like, when I was struggling with alcohol, one of the key things I learned just out of nowhere is that they're like, yo, you know, alcohol is a depressant. I was like, what, <laughs> what? I thought, what, how come I, when I drink, I, I feel great. I, I love it. You know? Well, yeah. In that moment, I thought it was like fun. Hey, everything's better. But then when I, if I subtract those four hours <laughs> and I look at the bigger picture of the alcohol, oh yeah, yeah, it's a depressant. Wake up the next morning, headache, hungover, feeling like shit. And then I start doing that, you know, month after month, year after year of that binge alcohol drinking. And it's like, wow, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's the problem. It's like cigarette smokers, right? They think not having the cigarette is causing the cravings, but it's the cigarette that's causing the cravings. You see? So when we start getting addicted to things, we start getting in these habits. We start seeing the world upside down. You know, we start thinking the food is my pleasure. But when you zoom out and look at the big picture, you realize the food's the source of the depression, the sadness, the frustration, the ill health, you know, the shitty relationships. Not because you look a certain way, but because of the way the person you're being, you know, you're relying on the food and you just, you're angry at yourself. You feel tired. You feel sick. You're worried. All, all of this negative stuff. And that's going to affect everything in your life that's important to you. So you see what I mean? So it's not about just trying to, oh, I want to look better. I want to look better. It's about, no, stop that shit. Let's look at this honestly. If you don't get control of your health, your weight and your health, there's a good chance you're going to die three to seven years earlier than you need to. And or you're going to feel like shit the whole time you are alive. You know, not feel like shit, but that might be overstating it, but, but at least not feeling as good as you could. And that's the point of this. So again, we want to go, what we talk about um, in, in the program self thin system is the idea, like, who's the ideal you? What's the best you? And this is what you don't think about because again, I just want to lose weight is subconsciously you're referencing your not best self. You're referencing your overweight self. That's just the external part. It's the inside that creates that overweight self. Shitty mindset, um, emotions that are all negative, up and down moods, you know, up and down energy levels, lack energy, uncomfortable body. That's what I'm talking about. You know, and you keep referencing that by saying, I just want to lose weight. I just want to lose weight. I just want to lose weight. And you keep thinking to yourself that way. Right. So it's really about, no, stop that shit. Who do you want to be? What's the best version of you? What is you eating nutritious foods? What is you eating moderately, eating appropriately, moving your body, getting some sleep, drinking some water? How good can you feel? You don't ask this question enough at all. And no one's asking you to do it because we're surrounded by, listen, it's the food manufacturers and the diets and they're the same, they're the same people. And, and by the way, the food companies are the cigarette companies. 
So you, you think about that. Okay. I want you to know that that's a whole thing. I'm not getting into it now, but a lot of the food companies or cigarette companies, it's the same thing. They don't give a shit about your health. They just want to sell their product. I don't think they want to hurt you, but I don't think they give a shit if they do hurt you. <laughs> and so they just want to sell their stuff. Um, as Catherine says, love your honesty. Oh, I'm, I'm glad again, cause I, I'm glad to be able to say this stuff. Cause it's like, uh, I don't know. It's just, when you see this and you think about it from a different angle you're just like, Oh my God, it's, it's craziness almost, you know? So again, that's why I say my mission in life is to help as many people as possible live at their goal weight. Not cause I want a world of, of thin people. You know what I mean? I want to, I want a world of happy, healthy people that are living as long as they can and have the best quality of lives possible while they're alive. You know, that's what I want. And so people rarely think about this again, comes back to mindset. There's problem and solution oriented thinking. And so solution oriented thing is who do I want to be? What's the best version of me? What can I do here? What is my potential? And I can tell you that's my main driving force, why I control my weight the way I do, why I eat the way I do, why I live the way I do, is I'm just fascinated to see where things go. You know, it's all worked out for me so far. I, I love the path I'm on, especially compared to where I came from, you know, with it. It's just, it's amazing. But the amazing part is just moving forward. It's like, well, where's this all going to go? But you see what I'm doing? I'm referencing this ideal me. You know, and so it's like you may not even have that idea in your mind because you're so fixated on like, oh, what, what's wrong with me? How come I can't do this? Why do I keep doing this? What's what, what, what? and it's always all the negative stuff. You know what I mean? You never take a second to think like, what could I do? You know, and that's hypnosis in a sense where we use it actively, right? Where, where again, in my program, you're gonna learn how to hypnotize yourself literally. And the first step is just relax everything. Let's get a different perspective, and let's just say, who do you want to be? We can take a few minutes and imagine who you want to be. Because with the weight loss, you think if I just lose the weight, I'm, I'm going to just turn into that person. And you're not. This is why people lose weight and then put it back on because the weight loss, when they approach it that way, doesn't change anything other than the number on the scale. Okay. So my program, it's like, forget the number on the scale for a few minutes. Okay. Let's focus on the inside, who you are as a person, this inside out transformation. That's what we want. Let's start with the inside and let it turn into the outside because everything you're doing is the opposite. You're trying to change the outside and you're thinking it's going to change the inside and it's not most likely. Okay. This is why people lose the weight and put it back on because they're the same person on the inside that caused the problem. Right. What does Einstein say? He said that the same level of thinking that caused the problem is not the same level of thinking you need to fix the problem. Right. So the problem is they say this with alcoholics, right? The, the phrase dry drunk is the a person who just stops drinking but they never dealt with any of the issues that caused the drinking in the first place. You see? And that's what like what dieters are. They're like, you know, like dry drunks in the sense they're not dealing with any of the core issues that are causing the problem in the first place, you know? And this is never more obvious than with people that get like the gastric bypass of the lap band because they physically are making that change. And so they have to live with it at least for a while um, because they can eventually they can eat in a way that put the weight back on. And a lot of people do. Um, but you, you, it becomes very clear. They're very evident. The, the, the difference between the physical parts of losing weight and the mental parts of it, you know? And so a lot of this goes back to psycho-cybernetics, Maxwell Maltz. He was a plastic surgeon back in the 60s. And he realized like he would fix, because again, this was back when plastic surgery was for like deformities, you know, before like, you know, the way we think of it now. And so he would fix these people with these deformities, but he's like, they would still act as if they had them. You know, and that's when he started to recognize this self-image piece that the way we think about ourselves is more important than the actual physical reality, you know, because he'd fix these people's physical deformance. They looked, you know, normal, but they would still act and feel like they still felt were deformed, you know? And so it's the same thing with the weight. People lose the weight, but they still feel like an overweight person because they never deal with the internal parts of weight mastery. All right. Um, 
someone says, funny thing, I've had all of the pieces, exercise, nutrition, et cetera, but still find myself overweight. I know that is my mindset. Yeah, self-sabotage. Et yeah, exactly. And you're going to see, Catherine, I promise you, um, you're going to go through this program. If you fill out the worksheets and you get on these calls, I will I will pinpoint and show you exactly um, why you've been sabotaging yourself and more importantly, how to fix it, okay? Um, because you're right on the money. It's not what you know. That you, it's not an information problem. Let me just bring a point, bring it home with an example. If you were a, a cyborg robot and you just typed in in the morning what you were going to eat all day, you would lose weight, right? Because you know what to eat. Right? You would type in you know, salad and I eat this and that. And then if you just did it because you were a robot and you just did what you were programmed to do, you would lose weight. The problem is that you could do that, but you're a human. So as soon as I got time to actually eat that way, you say, eh, I don't think so. I don't want to do that for a number of reasons. But it's all this inner game. You know, it is that mindset piece. Now, let me be clear. When I say mindset, you know, again, people, oh, I need to shift my mindset specifically, right? What is a mindset? And so I'll tell you, like in my program, I'll show you what we break mindset down into. I think it's six things. Your motivation, your self-image, habits, like what habits actually are, emotions, how to feel the emotions you want, how to deal with the unpleasant emotions you don't want, genuinely, without food. You probably have no strategies to do that. So you need to know that. Thinking right? How to think like a thin person, how to break it down. What is your granularity in terms of how to think like a thin person? Do you know what I'm saying here? Do you know about fixed growth mindsets? Do you know about solution problem-oriented thinking? Do you know about transformational grammar? Do you know about how to ask better questions? Do you know about your internal dialogue and how you talk to yourself, right? So it's like we break it down. And so the more you understand these things, the more you can fix them, right? It's like, it's like your car, right? If you're not a mechanic, you're just like, I don't know, it's making some noise. Well, the mechanic has a internal map of a car that you don't have, right? And so they have way more details and understanding of the car. So when you say you're hearing a noise, they're able to diagnose it a lot more effectively than you are, right? Because you don't have an internal map of what a car is, consists of, right? Well, you don't have an internal map of how to lose weight. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Like, you've got just like this very like, well, I'm just going to force myself to eat better. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. You've got like one tool. Um, willpower, you know, and so there's so much more to it when you learn it, and understand it. Well, then you have more control over these subtle energies and aspects to it, you know, and so where do I leave off? I just the habits, emotions, thinking, and um, then maintenance, you know, you need to know how to maintain from day one, you know, <laughs> what's this idea? You're going to just learn maintenance on what, when you reach your goal weight, you need to learn how to maintain on day one. You need to learn how to maintain so you can go from day one to day two, from week one to week two. You need to know how to maintain. You need to know how to deal with stress, right? Because your approach to weight loss is very conditional. It's very, as long as everything in life's going really well, then you can be all and do everything perfect. The second there's a setback or a thing, it's like, forget it. I can't do any of it, you see? So um, yeah, all, all that stuff is, is important. And the mindset piece is, is the key of it all. Um, someone says, yeah, so morning ritual is another thing I'm working on for sure. Morning rituals, I think are, are super great. You know, I, I love rituals all over the place anyways, because again, why rituals are kicking things off. You want to set yourself up strategically as much as you can to have things be less consciously based and more subconsciously based. Your subconscious mind runs your whole life. Your subconscious mind is very efficient and runs all the things that you've learned. And so that's what you want to do. You want to use your conscious willpower and thinking to influence your subconscious mind so that you naturally and automatically behave, think, and feel in a way that makes you thin. You see, you don't want to set yourself up for, for life that you have to control all your fight your behaviors. Because what you're doing right now, and think about this, is right now it's like you, you want to lose weight so much, right? But how come, if that's true, what part of you keeps sabotaging you? 
How do you explain it? You know, people don't have any words for this, right? It's, I don't know. I keep sabotaging myself. Well, what's that mean? What's that mean you keep sabotaging yourself? How do you interpret that on a deeper level? How do you explain it? I know you don't have an explanation for it. I'm going to give you one. You have Because you have a conscious and a subconscious mind. Literally two parts of your brain. Really, there's three parts of your brain. There's kind of the primitive part that runs all your, your heartbeat, body temperature, things like that. Then there's a limbic system that goes over it, which is most of your brain. And then there's the top part, prefrontal cortex, which is the most evolutionary new part of your brain. This is where your willpower is, your executive functioning. And so the executive functioning prefrontal cortex part of you says, I want to lose weight. And you know all the reasons why. knows what you should do. But that part of you doesn't run your behaviors. Your behaviors are run by your subconscious mind. And your subconscious mind is illogical. It just links things together. And so you know cookies are bad for you at night, but your subconscious mind says, yeah, cookies make me feel relaxed and calm. You see? And so you're getting something good out of the behavior. You're not just doing things because you're a jerk. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're doing things because you're getting something positive out of it. And so the secret isn't to just say, okay, let me... Cookies make me feel relaxed and calm. Let me get rid of the cookies because you're simultaneously getting rid of the relaxed and calm. You see? So we don't want to do that. What we want to do is we want to say, oh, okay, the good thing I'm getting on is it's how I relax and I calm down. And now we ask the question, what's a better way? What's a better way that I could relax and calm down? You know? And you don't have the answer to it, but you work on it. And eventually when you do get the answer to it, now all of a sudden you've got two ways to relax and calm down. One of them makes you overweight and one of them makes you healthy and thin and happy and all the rest of it. You see? So, so again, it's how you approach it. Um, someone says, how do I download the app? Well, that's part of the program I'm in. So if you're even interested in what I'm talking about, my program, if you're interested in weight loss, what you should do is go to my description or in my bio, click the, the link there that says free training, three steps to master your weight and go watch it. It's a half hour training that will transform the way you think about your weight. It'll give all that granularity I was talking about, give you, I literally break down the three steps you take and break them down into pieces. Okay. So go watch it. And if you watch it and you're like, wow, this is amazing. Well, then I'll, I talk about my program. So I don't, you can't get my program. Like you can't just go to a page and buy my program because the worst thing about weight loss is that people just get spontaneously all triggered. Um, usually it's pain-based, you know, again, they step on this. Oh, I don't care what I got. I'm going to join this program, you know, and then the next day they're not motivated. And it's like, ah, no, sorry, <laughs> you're not working with me because I, you know, I say like, like losing weight, you got to have the commitment. It's like going to college almost. You know what I mean? Like you have to make that kind of commitment because guess what? It's hard. It takes a while. It's work, all these things, you know? And so if you're not willing to commit to that, my program is not going to work for you. I have not seen a shortcut. I've never seen a weight loss shortcut ever work, you know? So I'd rather just tell you that right from the beginning and let you save some money and save some time and energy. And um, yeah, no, it wouldn't work with me. But if you're a person who's like, holy shit, I got to, I get it. <laughs> this is more important than I thought. I really need to commit to this. I need to make this a focus. I really focus on this area of my life because everything else in my life is built around this. And how is it not? You know what I mean? What's more important than your health? You know, but you don't, you're not used to thinking of it that way. You minimize, you minimize your weight because you think of your weight primarily as an aesthetic thing. You think of it visually, superficially, you know? That's why go watch the training. The very first thing I do is I show you an x-ray of a, of a thin person, an obese person, because I want to orient you to what's going on inside your body. You know, if depending on how overweight you are or obese you are, you're dealing with systemic inflammation, um, you know, being tired all the time. Like it's just, it's everything. It's your, your moods, your emotions, your energy levels, your physical comfort, your mindset, your ability to perform the way you can is all being destroyed, you know? So this is way more important than wanting to fit into a size X clothes or wear a bathing suit at the beach. Do you know what I mean? Like those things are fine. Again, I, I want you to do those things. That's part of it, you know, but the way bigger motivator ought to be. 
And I don't know why, you know, so we talked about this yesterday. I was saying to someone, I'm like, cause I said all the time, like, well, three years, you know, again, it, that study, Framingham heart study, if you're overweight, you know, they live an average of three years less obese, seven years less. And I've said that to people. And, and a lot of times I'll hear, oh, those are the worst years. You know what I mean? And that's just an example of the hypnosis that so many people are in when it comes to their weight. You've been conditioned to minimize your weight. Just like in the cigarettes, it's no different than for so long people smoked cigarettes and didn't realize they were unhealthy, right? Are you old enough to remember that? Because I am, right? I remember that. That's a paradigm shift that happened in the culture, right? That's mass hypnosis. Do you all remember this, right? I don't know how old the people are on this, but my even my lifetime, cigarettes, it's not that they were thought it to be healthy, but they weren't thought to be causing cancer. You know, we just thought of them as like, uh, I don't know, they smell or whatever, but you just accepted them. You thought of them differently, you know, and the same thing's going on with weight. So what happened? How were cigarettes thought that way? Because you were conditioned. The cigarette companies sat on all that evidence that they caused cancer and they put all their ads out that distracted you from the health effects. And they did it by the big lie. They would literally have commercials with doctors and say, oh, you know, th this cigarette's the healthiest cigarette. Right. And so they put these ideas in your mind and they get you to not think about how unhealthy the cigarettes are. And now look at us now. Why has smoking gone down in America? Because there's so much education and new hypnosis about how damaging the cigarettes are. You see, but the same thing's going on with weight. They, your, your concept of how dangerous the weight is has been minimized because food advertisers are the second biggest advertisers on the planet. You know, think about it. Right? Every, every other ad is a food ad. And so it's, it's, it's a hypnosis. It's a mass cultural hypnosis that you are undervaluing how important your weight is, you know, because it's not just that you want to look better. It's a literal medical condition and you're not treating it as such. You're treating it as, ah, I'd like to lose some weight. You know, let me get this $10 diet and see if I can do it. Oh, it didn't work. Mm, oh, well, mm, I can't stop eating. I keep sabotaging myself. Uh, you know, it's not like you went to the doctor, you get diagnosed with some disease. Would you be more serious then? Right. <laughs> That's kind of how you, you might want to think about this. Am I crazy? Maybe I'm crazy, but that's how I think of it. You know what I mean? And I think that core thinking of it that way is really the, the core foundational piece of why I get the results I get with myself, you know, and the best clients I've seen, again, it's that shift in that reframe of how they're thinking about their weight. All right. Um, so yeah, but anyway, so, so that, yeah, how you download the app is part of my program. And so, um, if you're interested in my program, you have to go watch that training and, uh, then there's information about how to get it. Cause yeah, like I said, no one can just get my program cause you know, you have to, um, you got to earn it almost, you know, yeah, actions rewarded. And, and plus my program, it's like, it's, uh, it's really not for everyone. I would say, <laughs> to be honest, I mean, you have to be a person who can, it, it's almost like college. I guess it's college like in the sense. So it's not like you had to go to college to do it, but it's like, you have to be comfortable with watching a training with a lot of information and then going through the workbook and filling it out. You know what I mean? So it's that type of work. If you don't like to do that, then it won't be for you. Um, but if you're that type of person, it's the most, like, you're literally creating these detailed in-depth blueprints for how to live at your goal weight, you know? And then there's a lot of stuff that supports all of that, you know, the app, for example. All right. Um, but again, I don't even, uh, it's not available for sale until you go through that training. You have to like prove that you can get through a half hour training. Cause if you can't, there's no point in the program. You know? Um, someone says I'm not overweight, but I don't feel comfortable and don't feel like the best version of myself. Yeah. Okay. I work a lot. I'll tell you, that was one of the craziest things I've been doing this professionally for 20 years. And sometimes, you know, like the people have invested the most in themselves. A lot of times by working with me, um, they would be five, 10 pounds overweight. 
I said, geez, that's a lot of money they're invested. A lot of time and energy to invest for that. You know, it's like, oh, but, but I find people that, that aren't overweight, it, it's not really about that, to be honest. Right. So it's like, if you don't feel comfortable, um, if you don't feel like the best version of yourself, this becomes, like I said, it's, it's taking your weight and wrapping it in personal development. Um, but it's really intertwining them, you know, and I think of my weight is just one reflection of like, I'm obsessed with personal development. I, I just absolutely love it. And so much of my personal home is based around my lifestyle, you know, but, and my eating, you know, what I'm putting in my body, how I'm living, how I'm thinking are how I'm being my best version of myself. So another way I always say like that we're wrapping, um, personal development around weight loss, but another way to look at it almost is like, we're, we're using, we're integrating them and we're using the weight as a way to become the best version of ourselves. We're using the weight as a way to improve our personal development, you know, because they're all interrelated. You know, you can't be your best self if you're not nourishing your body, right? Um, you can't be your best self if you're unhappy with how you look or how you feel, you know? And so again, that's even part of it. I always say like, there's two aspects to mastering your weight. There's action and acceptance. All right. And so at some point in your weight journey, you're going to get to a point where you're going to have to say, okay, this is enough weight. And because we live in the society we live in, no matter what our weight is, no matter how good we look, there's always someone that we think looks better. What do they say? Comparison's a thief of joy. And so it's like, we, there's a part of this process where we have to just like accept and start loving who we are. You, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's a, we got to do that at some point. Um, but I don't think we can really get there until we know we're, do, we're really doing our best. You know? And so I hear what you're saying. It's not just about a number on a scale. You see? So it's like, I'm as obsessed with my weight now as I was when I wanted to lose the weight, but it's got, it's like a different, it was always a different motivation anyways. It wasn't just how I look, but now it's different because it's like, I just want to feel as good as I can possibly feel. You see? So I get what you're saying there. Um, and, and so, yeah, how do you fix yourself? You know, again, for me, it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's kind of three things in my opinion. There's my health, weight, how I'm living piece of it, my own personal health, energy levels, mindset, moods, all the rest of that stuff. There is my social, I say social, but really when I say social, I'm talking about like my family. That's like the most important thing, you know, but I take, I, I need to do this one first. I need to have my health and myself in line first, right? Before, cause I could care about my family, but then if I'm, you know, feeling tired, or I'm drinking too much or I'm way overweight, and I'm not happy with myself, then this is going to suffer. Okay. So I got to take care of myself first. Then there's whatever's most important to you in your life. And so for me, it's my family by a mile, you know, but then right after that, it's my business. You know, cause I just love it. And again, it's just what I, my business is like my hobby. I love doing it because it's like, again, I'm building something up here. You know what I mean? And so these are the three things that I'm always focused on, but they're, they're intertwined. I, I don't, there's no daylight really between them, you know? So as I get better at my business, it helps with the other two areas. I get better at my, my health and weight. It helps with the other two areas. My, my relationships, with my families get better. It helps the other two areas, you know? So I think, I think you're on the money. It doesn't have to just be about a number and a scale. It's about knowing, you know, do I feel right? Do I feel like the best version of me? And, um, it's not about that number. Like I said, I've worked with so many people, five, 10 pounds off that invest so much energy and time in it. And so, you know, it, it's about having the granular to say, okay, where's my energy at? How do I feel about my body? Am I doing my best? You know, once you do, it, it changes everything. All right. Um, yeah. Someone says, yeah, looking forward to applying this to other areas of your life as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. Cause it's the same thing. I promise you whatever areas of matters, so I'll just stick with mine. Right. So it's like family, right? So what makes me the family person I want to be? Well, part of it is my self image. Right. So we talk about that in terms of weight. So it's like, how do I think of myself as a father? Right. How do I think of my, and again, I have a lot of good stuff. My father was awesome. So I have a nice role model, but then he wasn't there after nine years old. I didn't know him. He was gone. And so I've had to create, who do I want to be? 
you, you know what I mean? So again, self-image wise, that stuff's fascinating on its own um, because you never sat down and crafted your ideal self-image. You know, you just absorbed it from what people around you told you and situations, experiences you've had, you know, so being able to sit down and craft, who am I? What's the best version of me? You know, that in of itself is such a powerful process, you know? And so again, it's like all, I think everything in this program really is about being the best version of yourself. And obviously there's different aspects to it, you know? Oh, someone says you used to work with Tom Venuto. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've interviewed him a number of times and then I used to be part of his inner circle membership. I used to have a little, um, whatever you call it, little spotlight corner where I'd make some lessons for him. So I, I know I, I've just, I, I was like, I was just kind of connected with Tom a couple uh, months ago through someone who I, I certified coaches and program yourself then. And one of the coaches is, is, um, connected to him. So I got, I got to hook up with him because Tom and is awesome. Awesome guy. If you don't know him. Um, but can you talk more about acting as a thin person? Yeah, sure. Um, acting like a thin person is really, it's a mindset and it's the opposite mindset of what most people do because most people think like, well, once I lose the weight and the scale says this, then I'll be a thin person. And I would suggest you don't do that because if you start imagining yourself being the person you want to be and start acting as if you're that person, um, not only do you start getting better results, but you start practicing being that person. That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's, it takes practice to become the person you want to be. It doesn't, there isn't just some piece of knowledge that could give you. And all of a sudden you're that person. It's about becoming that. It's like, again, if you want to play the piano, it's about getting that muscle memory, you know, of learning the, the songs and the keys and all the rest of it. And it's the same thing. If you want to be a thin person, you want to start right now, imagining yourself as the thin person you want to be. And then you want to give it context. Okay. So it's imagining yourself being that thin person within your reality, you know, and that's a very important point too. And that's why, again, the redo and rehearsal technique, the, the program yourself then technique I teach people, it's a hypnotic technique that has so many things embedded into it. And that's one of the big ones because every time you're doing the redo and rehearsal technique, one of the key things is you're connecting to that ideal you, that thin version of you. And so you're feeling it in your body, you're breathing, you're holding yourself as that thin person and you're thinking as that person. So you're practicing thinking those thoughts and you're doing it within the context of your reality. Okay. So we do the read and rehearsal technique. You are imagining yourself where you were today, where you're going to be tomorrow. And this is an important point because, you know, they'll have places like um, retreats and whatever, where you can go and do juice cleanses and healthy eating and all the rest of it. That stuff is, it's fine. But what happens is you're doing all that there. And then you go back to your normal environment and you start acting like who you were there. You see? So again, the program that I do, it's a, it's an at-home immersion program. So that you're, you're doing all this stuff in your normal environment so that you learn how to think, feel, and act like the person who you want to be in your normal environment. Because most of your behaviors are triggered by subconscious environmental cues that you're not aware of, okay? And they're firing off how you're thinking and feeling and ultimately behaving. And so it's important to do all this stuff in your normal environment so that you can associate the two together. Hope that makes sense. Um all right, cool. Uh, yes, even the film Flintstones promoted cigarettes. Yeah, right, right, exactly. Yeah, cigarettes were just omnipresent, right? And that's a good example. So what happened? They weren't allowed to advertise cigarettes anymore. They weren't allowed to advertise alcohol anymore. And it's like, well, you say, okay, well, now I'm not going to go advertise this in my head. And that's part of it. But the other part is just the re recognition that these things are bad. We can't have these ads coming at us. Even that helps you reframe it. And that's not happening with food right now, but it's going to happen. I think food is going to be the, the cigarettes at some point because it's that damaging right now. Weight related issues are the number one form of preventable death and disease in the, in the I don't know if it's the world or the country, America, 
I forget the specific on that stat, but, um, but it's, it's that, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's life or death, you know? And again, you're, you're treating it like, so I'd like to look better. So I've said this before, but my, my six pack, right. I've never had a six pack, right. I've never committed to, to doing that. Could I do it? Yeah, obviously, but I never do it. I never stick with it long enough. And I question is why it says so eventually I get to the point. So well, I don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like I'm a, I'm a dad. I got my shirt off five hours a, a year. It does not matter to me. I don't want to put that energy into it. And so it's important that you understand that the reason you're not losing the weight is because you don't think it's that big of a deal. You don't looking better. Isn't going to change your life all that much. Okay. That's because you're thinking of it as a, as an aesthetic thing. You're thinking about, I want to look better. You know, you've got to change how you're thinking about it into recognizing this is life and death. Literally, it's the quality of your life and it's the length of your life. This is probably one of the main factors. And it's not even just the weight. It's the way you are living to achieve that weight. You know, so if you're 50 pounds overweight, there's probably a lot of lifestyle pieces that are very damaging to the system. You know, so again, it's, it's helpful to kind of think about it that way, because that's where you start dragging up more um, motivation. You know, and when you have more motivation, everything gets easier. You know, the problem is you've always had a very low level motivation when it comes to your weight loss. You know, think about it. the most motivated you've ever been is when you get really, really upset about how you look and you want to look better, you know, um, followed by like, you know, if you have like a wedding coming up or some big thing coming up where you really want to look good, you know, those are probably like the main ways you've motivated yourself in the past, you know, and the problem is that, that comes and goes, you know, once the event comes, it goes and you're done with it. You know, and if it's pain based, that doesn't last anyways. So this is really about like, who do I want to live as? So for example, your work, right? Your work is, is a good example of this. That's a much deeper form of motivation, right? Because there's days you get up, you don't want to go to work, you're tired, you don't want to do it. But what happens is you think about work and the role it plays in your life. And you're like, well, I, I got to go to work because I want to live in this house. I want to buy these things. I want to do these things. So your, your job is linked up with everything that's important in your life. You see? And so there's way more motivation there. So again, with weight loss, you can't just try and force yourself to want to look better, which is what you keep doing. Um, you have to start to reimagine and rethink about why this is important to you. And it's not hard to do. You know what I mean? Again, I always say to people, you got the truth on your side. The truth is that your weight has it is one of the biggest predictors of how long you're going to live, how healthy you are. You know what I mean? Like it, it's not, it's not, it doesn't take a whole lot of work. <laughs> you know, if you just look at it honestly, you know what I mean? You, you should find all the motivation you need. You know, again, that's what I take people with the motivation blueprint. Let's look at this in a new way. Let's look at this honestly and realistically. And if you do, I think you're going to uncover and unleash a lot more motivation. Now let's get to work. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, getting older motivated me. Now that I have RA, I'm, yeah, motivated more. But these are pains, wrong reason. But that's okay. Listen, you can start with the pain, by the way. Okay? So, you know, you'll hear me say, like, I think my core reason, honestly, is a pain one, which is that I don't want to die like my father did at 54. Okay. But that's not enough. Okay. So again, I like to say pain's good for making a decision. Pleasure's good for carrying it out. So I have this core in me that I don't want to die at 54 of a heart attack. However, I don't want to live focusing on that either. Right. It's unpleasant. And so what I want to do is I'll say, you know, so for you, so I got rheumatoid arthritis. I don't want this. And so, and now I want to switch it in the positive too. So again, this is what we do in the, so again, in the motivation uh, blueprint, this is what you start, you start to recognize the pains and the pleasure, the most. So I always say like this, right? With the pain of the weight, the, the problem with the weight pain is that you put a pay, oh, the weight on a pound at a time. And so it, you habituate to that weight in real time and you get used to it. And so the pain you experience from the weight is kind of like a heavy backpack 
feel, you know, feel full of bricks. And so it's like, you feel the weight, and you're like, Ugh. but that kind of weight, it's like you habituate to get used to it. That's a different pain than if I poked you in the side with a knife, <laughs> right? If I poke you in the side with a knife, you're going to do something to fix that. That's a pain you respond to, you see? So what we got to do is we have to strategically use the pain in a way where you feel like the sharp point of a knife. So you take the right actions. All right. But then we layer over that the pleasure, right? All the pleasure you get out of this. And so you could say, you know, I got rheumatoid arthritis and if I don't take care of this, it gets really bad. And so I'm going to take care of my lifestyle, my eating, all these things that matter so that I can feel more comfortable, more relaxed. My fingers feel better. Um, my, it'll get, and I don't know how you experience the arthritis, but specifically I would say, you know, my hands feel better. My, my knees feel better. Um, I'm lighter. It's less pressure on my body. I feel good. I'm proud of myself for doing this. So you see what I'm saying? I, I start with the pain. I'm aware of that. And I use it in, in intensely and strategically, but that's not the only thing. Again, I use the pain to help motivate me and the pleasure to carry it out. And so I really want to keep my head in the pleasure. So for me, it's like, I don't want to die at 54 of a heart attack, right? That's that core pain that really drives me. But then it's all covered up with, I want to feel alive. I want to feel good. I want to wake up in the morning energized. I want to go to bed feeling good about myself. You see, I want to be the father I want to be. I want to be the person I want to be. I want to run the business I want to run. I want to influence people. I want to help the world, you know? So I get these big motivations on top and that's where I keep my mindset most of the time. I'm aware of the pain. I know it's there, but I don't want to stay stuck to that pain, right? If I stay stuck to that pain, now I'm scared. I'm worried. I'm fearful, right? Now that, that's bringing the wrong thing. So I use it and it's there and it, it can poke me if I need it but I'm really, I put all this pleasure around and that's where I keep my mindset. So I hope that helps. Someone says I fail every day. Um, we all fail every day. I don't, I don't know where, where you're going with that, but yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the secret isn't if we fail, right? It's just like, it, can you learn from the failing, right? That's the big secret. Um, you don't just fail because you're, again, that's that fixed growth mindset piece. So it's like, if you fail every day and you don't learn from it, you're going to be in trouble. If you fail every day and you learn a little bit every day, then you start getting better, right? And that starts changing. Um, yeah, I hated feeling pain all over. Yeah, exactly. So you use the feeling pain all over as the core part of it, but then you start articulating it as saying, I want to feel more comfortable. That's the hypnosis piece. You want to use specific languaging. Um, my body feels more comfortable. I feel more energized. I have, I'm more relaxed and, um, can deal with the discomfort as opposed to pain better when I'm not feeling great, when I'm not completely and totally comfortable. Okay. Do you hear what I'm saying? Language wise, remember your subconscious mind doesn't understand negatives. If I tell you, don't think about a banana, you think about a banana. So even though you have pain from the rheumatoid arthritis, you can say things like, um, I don't feel as comfortable and as great as I did yesterday. You know, I, I know this may sound like some, oh, a bunch of bullshit. Stop, stop. But I'm telling you, it makes a difference. How, the words you use to describe your experience have a big impact on how you're feeling. Now there's a physical reality, so I'm not acting like it's all just mindset, but I am saying that there's a physical reality, no question about it, but how we describe that physical reality has a huge part in how we, um, experience it. Okay. And so start looking for words that are referencing comfort, all the things you want, you know, and again, I always say, and I, we'll find, I gotta, when I get out of here, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out what we're going to do with you and your situation. Um, but if you were in the program, one of the things I do is the emotion section is I just give you a huge list of kind of negative feelings and positive feelings. And it's the positive feelings when it's really interesting because you can start to pick the feelings that you want to experience in your life and you can start optimizing around those. Okay. And so that's what you want to do with the situation you're in. Rheumatoid arthritis sucks. 
And it's a hard thing to deal with. But the next thing is, how do I want to deal with it? What's the best possible way I could deal with it? When I have good days, how do I describe those to myself? What are the words I use? I want to feel more of those. I want to have more comfort in my hands and my body. I want to have more relief. I want to feel more calm and relaxed. I want to be able to breathe. I want to be able to feel good in my body. Right. So you start speaking this way and it starts sending you a signal. It helps organize your reality and your experience. Okay. So again, it's um that's a powerful way to do it. And then obviously the way you're eating and the way you're living impacts that as well. And when they're all going in the right direction, that's how you get profound changes. All right. Cool. All right, everyone. Have a great day. I'm going to get out of here and uh, yeah, I'll be back again soon. So uh, I hope you have an awesome Saturday and we'll talk soon. Bye.